Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Rock Podcast, the podcast about the beautiful club within the beautiful game on a beautiful sunny day with some beautiful news as everything's gone potty in Pottersville again. Uh, Yes, Graham Potter has lost his job after seven months in charge, uh, having abandoned us to go there in September. Um, Brendan Rogers has also gone from Leicester a mere six hours earlier, uh, to put it precisely, and uh, well, we're, we're still doing fine, although we did only get a three-all draw in the game against Brentford. But what a cracking match. If you're a neutral, that's got to be one of the games of the season, hasn't it? An absolute corker of a game. To talk through such matters uh, this Monday evening, we are joined, well, I say we, I am joined by my usual co-host, Peter Marsh. Uh, his video's off because he's um, doing something suspicious, probably. But welcome, Peter. Scurrilous rumours, scurrilous rumours. And uh, we also have with us back on the pod, Alan Dodd. Hello, Alan. Hi, Russ. Hi, Pete. How are you doing? Yeah, all good. All good. Just having a coffee. I've got a beer lined up for later. It's the uh, it's the one that a uh, friend of the show, Raymond, the gent, uh, gave me on Saturday. Have you got Have you got your one from Saturday there as well, Alan? <laughs> <laughs> Alan dropped his beer <laughs> about five seconds after he'd been given. Oh it. my god! Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, the beauty of it being, it was just when you popped to the loo before going home, using a pub where you weren't going to have a drink in. Um, <laughs> you left one there. You actually don't rushing, need to drink. To the yeah, I, just, I was rushing around. I put it in my pocket and it fell out. <laughs> <laughs> a quality end to the evening, that was, I yeah, have to say. Yeah. That did amuse me. Mm. But I'm going to enjoy mine. I mean, I can share it with you if you want, but I'm not sure how that Thank works you. with the uh, interweb. <laughs> um, anyway, yes, here we are to talk about uh, a rather big amount of news. Um We'll get on to the football, I think, afterwards. Let's talk about the, the red-hot news uh, from, when was it, from yesterday, wasn't it, last night, <clears> about 8 o'clock. Uh, Graham Potter, our most recent ex-manager, uh, was sacked at Chelsea after seven months in charge there. He took over in September from Thomas Tuchel, who in turn had been sacked as well, having only had the, committed the crime of only winning the Champions League the previous year and getting off to a slightly sticky start this year. So, yeah, they were they were talking about a new era, though. Todd Bowley's first appointment. And uh, is it Egg Bardi, the guy who's his co-owner? 
uh, co-owner there, and uh, they were talking about long-term, having someone in for the long-term, a different policy, a different mentality at Chelsea. The Chelsea fans weren't having it from day one, to be honest. Uh, They kept on at him. Um, Lots of booing, which he didn't seem to be complaining about. Uh, They were shouting shoot a number of times, which he didn't seem to be complaining about. I don't know if Chelsea fans need a history lesson, who knows what. But let's talk about this, shall we? Uh, I don't know who wants to go first. Alan, you you said you were itching to talk about this and wanted to come on. So (laughs) let's go to you first. (laughs) <laughs> wow it's, what have uh, you made it real uh well i think it's quite funny how it's how it's all unraveled really and uh, uh although it, is, it was always inevitable yeah. and the thing the thing is in life decisions in life uh we make decisions and uh, uh and life moves in different directions you know if potter had not moved and we were still uh he was still with us who knows where we would be today hmm. uh, we yeah. could be in a high we could be higher on the table we could have won the carabelle cup we could still be getting uh, tickets for the FA Cup semi-final. I mean, who knows? Yeah. Uh, you know, when I was standing, uh, I was thinking, actually, when, we, when I was standing with a pint in my hand in the evening star after the 5-2 demolition of Leicester, I was, I was so optimistic about the future with Graham Potter. Uh, you know, he seemed to have solved the goal-scoring issue. Uh, what I mean by that, not necessarily that we were scoring more goals, but we were scoring winning goals and we were fourth yeah. in the table. You know, so you know everything seemed so rosy, but then forty-eight hours later, and everything had collapsed, and I was feeling really, really downbeat. Yeah. You know, he'd, take, he'd taken most of the coaching staff, a club legend, and left the young players totally be- bewildered. Hmm. Uh, and and I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, we were so so lucky that RDZ was available, and it has worked out so well. You know, it could have gone horribly wrong. I mean, I mean, the club don't make all their appointments uh, in the right way. I mean, uh, we've recently, they've appointed a German coach for the ladies team. He's been a complete disaster. Yeah. Left after a few months and now we're bottom of the WSL. So it's not always done correctly. Things do yeah. go wrong. That's true. Yeah, we're, we're not uh, going to get right all the time. Yeah. That's true. Uh, but we are going to get it right most of the time. And um, I think we did get it right with appointing Graham Potter. I think he was excellent for us. And it's important to recognise that. Um, mm. I know Peter's got sort of less endeared to him and was less convinced of him than some of the rest of us um, to a certain degree. But I think you know, we can certainly agree that we've improved our style, improved our standing and status, although it took a while. It did take um, a third season to really kick in. And as you said, that period leading up to the and including the Leicester game, uh, where we really felt like we were on a high, fourth in the table, wondering where it was going to take us. Yeah, we could be even higher. Who knows if he'd have stayed? I have a sneaking suspicion we wouldn't have been. I think we would have been maybe a little bit lower than where we are now. I'm probably around ninth or tenth, maybe maybe eighth. Um, not much difference, I know. But that significant extra step that we've we've got into the next bracket, we're in those European contention places for real this time. Um mm. As you said, we we can never know. Of course, there's there's never know. variables. Uh, who knows what would have affected what uh, in the greater scheme of things? But he did go. He did decide to go, and um, it's I, I don't know if people would describe it as backfiring because he's had seven months of experience at a very big club. He will probably try and take a positive spin and say that that was a big and steep learning curve. He would have taken um, a lot of experience from that. Where he goes from here, we don't know yet. We'll talk about that maybe in a minute. Maybe Leicester, <laughs> that job's available if he can get it. Um, but it's, it's. Um, I, I, I think it's detrimental. Um, we'll talk also about, a little bit later about English managers getting chances or British managers getting chances at big clubs uh, as well. Maybe that's another point for discussion. But in terms of um, Potter, I mean, 
I can't help smirking about it, I have to say. Um, not so much you don't want to wish a bloke well if he's advancing his career, but it was it was for me it was the timing was very disappointing. I think I was disappointed, not angry, <laughs> which is worse. And um, as you said, the ripping out of the heart of the team, taking Bruno, taking the goalkeeping coach, uh, then the club, uh, Chelsea as a club, then taking Paul Wynn Stanley. And, you know, there was a, there was a, I think there was a scout and a couple of youth players, a lot of people, Kukureya, all taken within a certain period of time. Most of those all at once when Graham Potter left. And that was infuriating. And I think it really got the backs up of so many people. We had our revenge, temporarily speaking, at least in that game at the Amex, which is still probably my favourite memory of the Amex so far. Absolutely loved it. But um, it's there's mixed views, isn't there? I mean, looking on um, on, the, on our little pod squad um, WhatsApp group, I know Andy Bravery wanted to come on. He said, sorry, I can't make it tonight, which is a shame as I might have been the only one still preaching some love and compassion for Mr Potter as I really wanted an English coach to succeed at the top end of the Premier League, just didn't really want it to be Chelsea (laughs) who would benefit, which is fair enough. Um, Margaret said, you you wouldn't be the only one, Andy. Uh, He's a great coach and developer of young players, but he just wasn't right for Chelsea. Then who who would be? My feeling is his his naturally cautious personality translates onto the pitch and creates a careful, cautious team, which I think is an interesting point. I think there might be some merit in that. And Richard, another friend of the show, who's uh, not been on for a while, actually, but uh, hello to Richard as well. He also said, you're not the only one, Andy. I agree with all of that. That's a great piece in today's Guardian. This is an article that just gone out. Uh, the gist of which is that at least Chelsea have finally made a good decision, even if it's to reverse an earlier decision that everyone could see was balmy or at least ill-fitting at the time. I suspect deep down that GP had some of the same concerns about the culture of the place, if that's not a contradiction, and uh, the extent to which it obviously doesn't fit his style and way of doing things. But then who turns down that kind of offer with no guarantee of getting one later? In other words, what Margaret had just said, (laughs) uh, he says. And Andy Bass as well, a regular on the show, can't be on with us tonight. He said, I still think he was daft to take the job. It was such a bad fit, and it was obvious from the start. Potter needs to think carefully before accepting his next job. I still believe he is the best English coach out there, but he needs the right environment in which to succeed. Well, I I certainly agree that Chelsea didn't prove to be the right environment, that's for sure, and he will have to be careful how he picks his next option. So Leicester, for example, if if they did offer him the job, I'm not sure it would be wise to take it now, maybe in the summer if they've survived, something like that. But um, lots of opinions there. I think... uh, Peter, bring you, let's bring you in on this at this stage. Um, what's your thoughts on those thoughts and uh, what's your own thoughts? <laughs> I have absolutely no sympathy for Potter, mainly because I don't think he, he ever will actually need any. I mean, he's basically just got a massive payoff that will pay for his, you know, li- his family will be able to live on for the rest of their lives. He never has to work again if he doesn't want to. And he'll almost certainly, if he does want a job in the summer, have a Premier League job again in the summer. So I'm not sure any of us, he doesn't need our sympathy. He doesn't ask, you know, and he was never that great with Brighton fans, frankly. Yeah. anyway all the stuff about history lesson and that sort of thing well Where, listen, the emotional intelligence thing i mean what's going on behind the scenes we don't know but for me the irony is he came across as quite emotionally cold not completely yeah. utterly, but it wasn't particularly warming character either was he yeah well exactly you compare him to rdz and they're like chalk and cheese that's you know which is why he's already so popular because we got used to a manager who wasn't really didn't really connect with the fans and didn't really you know support us i think i think overall it's yeah. I think even back in September when we were having the show after he quit, I think none of us would have been surprised if we'd been told that he was going to go within seven months. All this talk about changing the culture of Chelsea from Bowley was complete rubbish. 
basically Chelsea fans demand success and if they if they don't get success and it's noticeable it it took them dropping into the bottom half of the table to actually you know bring the change in um I find it very odd that they've not they put Bruno in charge it's a very random one you know of all the people in within that team that could have taken over of like you know the kind of it's it's he's the one they've chosen who has no experience in that sort of area at all and yeah it's a very odd decision from Bowley again one of so many but yeah why why on earth Potter would I mean yeah it was a, it was a money can't buy offer you know you're never maybe never going to get again but the way they've gone about doing it at Chelsea and already had in the summer transfer window was never going to suit him he's a person who gets the best out of your players and try you know tries to although you could then argue like Solly March for example he never got the best out of them. RDZ has so you know it's Queen's roundabout. I, I but I have no sympathy for him mainly because he's basically just got an extremely big payoff. Chelsea, on the other hand, I find hilarious because they are a particularly unlikable club and they've just completely screwed themselves over by spending not only 21 million on a, a manager that we've got a better option for free afterwards for free afterwards, but also a 60 million pretty much on the left back who was one of the main reasons that they lost at the weekend with a brilliant assist for the Villa's first goal. And we've bought a fifteen million pound left back who's much better as well. So hmm. Yeah, agreed. Um on the on the emotional intelligence thing, David Townsend, another friend of the show, said you could argue that it was a fail for his much vaunted emotional intelligence to have taken the job in the first place. But I guess it's easy to say that with hindsight. But Jack Phillips tapping into what we were saying about just just having no sympathy and, and ex- by extension, finally funny, funny, he said, um, sorry couldn't be on tonight, but then he said Unlike those um, above, that's the previous quotes we've uh, we've read out. Um, he said, "I'm finding this all rather fantastic." Though was hoping we'd put the knife in at Stamford Bridge while he's still there. I've never quite seen a manager get as much slack from the media as Potter has, and if we're talking about English managers, then he looks a naive fool on all counts in comparison to Smug Eddie. Um, and Andy Bass said Tuchel was already becoming a victim of the notoriously lazy dressing room and the errant ownership. Um, and then Jack again goes back with, I also think the goal-shy flaws that the media and us often shoved onto our players, which is what you were just talking about, Peter, um, have been laid bare for all to see now. A manager who can't get either the Brighton squad or the Chelsea squad to score a goal a game, or more significantly more than that, has a problem with their style rather than the personnel. Um, and Robin, finally, if I could just read that as well, says, I'm slightly on the fence here. I'm still incredibly angry at the nature of his departure. And his subsequent comments about if he wanted an easy life, he'd have stayed at Brighton. He said, I do feel sorry for him, though, uh, because he was promised a fresh start in terms of Chelsea's attitude. And he was promised time to do that. What then happened is that an environment was created that is so unpotter-like. But as David says, he is uh, here's the one to blame for basically taking the first big money offer that came his way. When I heard the news on the radio last night of his sacking, as I was driving, I actually nearly had an accident. I was laughing that much. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I, I was full of joy with the news. Yeah, I, yeah, was, nothing personal great. against Potter as such, but just the whole scenario. It's Chelsea. Yeah. to leave. Chelsea it, being a car crash club and getting what they deserve, their fans yeah. getting what they deserve on the whole, with respect to those that we know who are nice guys uh, and girls. Um, but um, there's a, a huge number of entitled idiots who never wanted him in the first place, to be honest. And, I mean, it wouldn't take a fool to know if your Graham Potter, that's the kind of club, that's the kind of fan base they've got. You are not going to get time from the supporters you might get promised time by Bowley or whoever else is in charge. You might trust that. You might take it on merit. I suppose he has been 
let down in that regard. But it's Chelsea. It's an American businessman who's throwing money around. What were you expecting, really? Yeah. Uh, Peter? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Just, just to quickly say, it also is worth remembering that this time last year, we hadn't won in, we'd lost six in a row. We just got a draw against Norwich. He actually, even people, for all the people talk we people have of how good a job we did here, there's an awful lot of Premier League clubs would have sacked him a few times, not even big six ones, but like, you know, lower level ones that would have sacked him for the, quite a few times while he was here. When we didn't win at home that whole lockdown season until about January or February, when we didn't win in about 10 or 11 last season, when we did, we lost six in a row. Those sort, you know, a lot of managers would have got the sack in that situation. Vieira arguably got sacked for less bad, for fewer bad runs than possible did. You know, so he, while, while, you know, obviously he did change the way we played and he did do a good job overall in the end. Until that last 15 games, we were still like, we still hadn't actually moved forward in terms of position and from Newton's time. And a lot of managers would have got sacked in that time. And yeah, he, he was arguably lucky not to be based on, you know, that he had a chairman who would stand by him in that sense. And then he repaid us the way he did. And you say you can't really feel that much sympathy for him. And Alan, sorry, you wanted to come in as well, didn't you? Let's go back to you. Yeah, I think I think when Potter joined the Albion, he joined a club that had a really good infrastructure. There was so much, it was well organised. He's a very good coach, and uh, you know he obviously um, thrived on that on that background atmosphere and organisation uh, that wasn't there at Chelsea. You know, he joined. I mean, it was foolish really to to, to think that uh, you know he could change within during during a season. Yeah. Um, um, the, in I mean, my opinion, it's uh, you know it's, it's nuts really. But there you are where you are, um, or it is what it is, as they say. <laughs> um, you know, you couldn't have gone unnoticed by the Chelsea hierarchy in recent times. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, RTZ was basically getting more out of yeah. the players than Potter was from the same set of players. Yeah, doesn't help. He was, it, get, he was it. getting he was getting multiple players to score. He's got, you know, I think you mentioned earlier about Solly March. Uh, you know, he, he was getting something out of Solly March, a lot different. So he couldn't have gone unnoticed that that was happening. Um, you know, whereas it might have started to feel as though maybe he has brought the scoring problem with him from from Brighton to Chelsea. Mm. You know, the, the the game against Villa the other day, I mean, they had multiple, multiple chances. Couldn't put, put the ball in the back in there. And it was... <laughs> I mean, it's a curiosity, isn't it? It seems to be some sort of real, real phenomenon. I don't, don't quite know because we are creating um, chances you know, under him. Chelsea are creating chances under him. I know it's about the quality of chances, maybe that we, I think we have created better chances more often now under Deserby, but the degree to which they're not converting what they have created, um, and, and also us when he was manager here. Um, yeah, it's a, a real curiosity. Uh, Peter, yeah, what do you, what do you think? I think, the, I think the, the classic example of Chelsea's season is Madrid being linked with Arsenal constantly. So they jump in with a much bigger offer to try and nick him and get him. He, he basically has the same number of assists as Jason Steele does currently in the Premier League this season. And, uh, <laughs> Trost, Arsenal go for Trossard instead and get, Seven assists, I think it is, since he joined. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, if ever there, and I'm not saying Madrid won't come good and other signs won't come good, but at the moment, it's like, it is quite funny. Hmm. It's all hairstyle and no action at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and yeah. Style, uh, with, with ironic um, emphasis on the word style. Anyway, and not that I can talk. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I wanted, one other thing I wanted to say. I mean, I, you know, I'm not sure whether this is a popular comment to make, but uh, I did actually watch the press conference by uh, Bruno earlier, and I must admit, I was. I still sat there with a certain amount of warmth for 
Hmm. Bruno, you know, I kind of looked at him the way he was talking, and you know, he's such a professional guy. Yeah, you know, whatever, whatever he did, he, so I just brought me back to the Brighton days with him when I saw him, saw him standing there or sitting there rather, uh, talking. Yeah, away. I mean, the, he's a good guy, isn't he? Ultimately, and and we should mention at this point um, that Potter, and then later on, it was confirmed Billy Reid had left as well, but Hamburg. Uh, is staying on with Bruno and Ben Roberts uh, for interim control for an unspecified period. That's the, where we're at at the moment in terms of what Chelsea are doing. Um, so Bruno's given the press conference today, which would have been a just a pre-match press conference had it not been for yeah. the uh, change of manager. No, I mean, I'm just about, you know, to be on the sceptical point of view, I mean, at the end of the day, they only fired Graham Potter. Hmm. And he's the one that's going to get the compensation. And as far as Bruno and, and the Beyond are concerned and Ben Roberts, basically, they if they resigned, then presumably they would they wouldn't be entitled to any kind of any kind of yeah. payout. So uh, you know, where maybe Billy Reid yeah. had a different view, but the other guys really they've got to protect protect their uh, you know their their job and their life. I mean, yeah. presumably at some point, if Potter gets another job somewhere in another club, he'd be picking up the phone to Beyond. And p- perhaps Bruno, perhaps Ben Robertson saying, come and join me. You want to go? Yeah, and that's, and that's a time when they leave. But until then, they want to, they want to earn their money. So, uh, hmm. yeah, that's why I would see it. Yeah. So that's that's where the whole Chelsea scenario is. Um, just, I've got one or two other messages, I think, which were posted, which I think worth mentioning as well. Um, this Jack Phillips, a uh, friend of the show, also said, I also think it's really funny that he was sacked by Win Stanley rather than Bowley. <laughs> now, this is to do with a report that uh, it was Win Stanley and I can't remember the name of the other guy, one of the other sporting director types. That they've got, they've Stuart. Got Someone said Stuart or something. Stuart, I, don't yeah. Know. Yeah. It, uh, I mean, I think that may, it seems from some reports that it was actually the case that they recommended uh, that they that it does go, that this is the right time for it. So it, it wasn't wholly Bowley's decision. I, I don't think it was wholly Win Stanley's either. Um, I mean, they they act on, uh, you know, he'll uh, at worst, he'll act on uh, advice, nothing more than that. But, um, it, yeah, I mean, if Win Stanley was involved in the decision to sack him, there's some cruel irony in there, isn't there, as well? Um, I think, I mean, that, that job is supposed to handle that sort of thing. Now, whether Bowley yeah. obviously has, you know, kind of, He's obviously a very different, to, you know, someone like Bloom, but it should be someone in Winston's position who would be to make the decision. Mm-hmm. So I can really, I can believe that it would be the case that he makes it. Yeah. One final bit from the WhatsApp group I wanted to just mention as well was Andy Bass again came in with one thing because he was keen to emphasise that uh, we shouldn't gloss over this. That uh, he, he said that um, Potter's teams we're regularly creating good opportunities to score. This is in relation to this whole thing of taking opportunities. He said the profligacy in front of goal is on the players. At both Brighton and Chelsea, he was never blessed with natural goal scorers in his team. Chelsea have been just as remiss in buying strikers as the Albion. Lukaku out on loan and the walking strop that is Aubameyang don't count. Um, and he was keen to also say, I'm trying to find the bit where he said, um, yeah, he, he says he thinks that um, Potter did earn the plaudits at Brighton and he left us in fourth. The plan was finally coming together as we finally added goals to our game. I'll not airbrush Potter's achievements at Brighton out of history. It's because he was building something great that I was so outraged at the manner of his departure, says Andy. I won't forgive his exit and the dismantling of the staff, but I won't forget that he did a terrific job either. So you want to, I want to, in fairness, to get that across as well from Andy. Uh, and Peter, you've got a response to that. Yeah, I, I'd say if three of our, well, four of our higher goal scorers 
this season out of the six or seven were available to Potter the whole time. He couldn't get goals out of March. He couldn't get goals out of Grosh, mainly because he played Grosh further back and Grosh now is a lot more able to get forward. And actually, to be fair, was at the start of the season on the Potter as well. It was not just, it's not just a deserving thing, but it took him a while to really push him forward. McAllister, he hardly played until like Christmas last year and then played, you know, kind of moved him around a bit. And it was only when he settled in position, he started scoring and taking penalties. Trossard, obviously, he didn't really get the goal scoring until out probably the end of last season out of. So, I mean, it's not like we've signed loads of players since Deservey's been here. Ferguson was available to him the whole time he was there as well. He was in, in the squad. It's only really Matoma who's, you know, available now who wasn't then. And, yeah, he didn't even play him in the first six games, but I kind of understand that. Yeah. Quite new. That's, that's true. It's also worth mentioning, I mean, I, I know Ferguson would have been younger and whatever, but only by a little bit. Um, what I, where I think uh, Deservey has succeeded... Um, is obviously Ferguson's come through under him. Obviously, Solly March has improved under him. It is in regards to midfielders or what you would describe as midfielders or wider attackers where we've had the greater success under Roberto De Zerbi. If you look at it, including all competitions, Mitama and McAllister, and we'll get on to the game later, but they both scored at the weekend. They're both now on to 10 goals in all competitions and, and Mitama's got five assists, McAllister's got two. Uh, you've then got Solly March next on the list. Eight goals in all competitions, six assists. Uh, pass, and he scored eight in uh, the last 12, hasn't he, as well, in, I think, in the league, or no, league and cup. Um, and Pascal Gross, seven and six. Then you've got Ferguson, seven and three. And obviously, you've got Tr- Trossard, seven and two from earlier on, who, who was a player who, to be fair, Potter was getting the best out of um, to some degree. And Welbeck's managed to creep up onto four now with two assists as well. Even Undav's got three goals. But but the point is that Mitama, McAllister, March, Grosh are the top four scorers. We weren't getting enough goals from midfield or defence, I don't think, only to a small degree for a short period of time before he left us for Chelsea. Um uh, Potter, but under Deserby, we are definitely getting more out of those players. Yes, some of that might just coincide with you know, the timing of Mitterberg's rise could have just been happening anyway. But it's quite clear that he's made more out of Solid March. I think he's getting more out of Grosh as well, personally. And yes, the defenders are still not scoring. No, you can't have it all, though, can you? <laughs> the defenders are scoring. We basically top of the league, pretty, pretty much. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're including on top, Saturday. We're fourth top scorers in, in the in the Premier League. And actually, if mm. we, we've got two games in hand on Spurs and only three goals behind them, so actually could yeah. easily overtake them as well. Mm. So, you know, it, it, which is unheard of for us. I mean, we've got seven goals, I think, more than we've ever had before. Mm. And there's still, what, kind of like 12 games left. Yeah. The, the other thing is, we are playing better football, definitely, I think, than under Graham. It's more fluid. It's more pro, it's more direct, not, not, not in terms of long balls, but direct in terms of quick to get the ball off, quick to rotate the ball, to pass it, to keep it flowing. But, you know, we're getting 70% possession in games. We did get, get something vaguely similar to that sometimes under Potter, but we tended not to win the games when we dominated the ball. Um, as, as Gerald Raymond would say, um, you know, if you want to beat Albion, give them the ball, he kept saying. And there was to some degree of truth to that, for sure. And we just, we, and what it was is because we sat back, we kept possession, they had players sitting deep and we couldn't break them down. And now, because of the different system we're playing, we're able to unlock teams a bit more. So I think part of what we're doing is we're, we're motivating players to do better, like Solly. Part of it is the way we're playing is creating opportunities in a different way. But that's that's the coaching role. That's that's what it is, isn't it? If Graham was doing what he's doing, 
Roberto's doing what he's doing and Roberto's getting the better of it, then you'd have to say Roberto's the better coach. Simple as that. Um, I'm certainly delighted. It's turned out to be a blessing in disguise for us. Um, I don't want to be too schadenfreudic. That's probably not quite a word, but anyway. Um, but, you know, I don't want to gloat too much about it, but I, I am finding it. Why? Amazing. Okay, I do want to gloat about it. Let's <laughs> it's bloody great, isn't it? it- the, the thing is, as Peter said, he'll get another job somewhere. He'll get yeah. another good job. And if, 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 if the club fits or the way they're organised, then he'll do re- really well. I mean, he could, he could be coming to the Amex, uh, next season or the season afterwards yeah. and giving us a good, a good pacing. Who knows? There, there, uh, there's going to be any number of jobs, I'd say, at the bottom available in the summer. Dare I say Palace, Leicester may go for a Benitez type, type appointment and then go for someone else. Um, West Ham may well move Moyes on in the summer. You know, there'll be any number of that bottom six of Hampton if they stay up, which I think is unlikely, may decide not to see from sellers. And there's so many options and he'll he'll go to one of those clubs and he'll probably get paid more than he did at Albion and he'll have the chance to build again. And it just it'll be a, a temporary blip and yeah. Yeah. This yeah. season he'll be like regarded again as being maybe not for the big, big jobs, but for England it'll be talked about possibly. Yeah. There is a scenario where Southampton go down and whatever happens with them happens with them. Maybe Leicester the same or Leicester get, appoint someone and survive or don't survive and stick with whoever they appoint. Uh, West Ham do well enough and decide to stick with Moyes. And then the, the obvious one then would be Palace because Hodgson pretty much 100% he's not going to be there next season. No, no. I mean, it'd be very unlikely, even if he keeps them up. Uh, you know, with a real flourish. I, I still can't see him going in next season. That's not what they want to do. Um, yeah, they'll bring it would be a good appointment. It'd be a good appointment for them, wouldn't it? Yeah, it um, would. Yeah, no, it would be a good appointment for them, I think. Although <laughs> this could get interesting, couldn't the it? The way they, the way they're set up, though, is slightly different to the way he plays. So it would take. Hmm. I know Zaha probably would be moving on, but the type of a quick attacking players that they've got wouldn't necessarily suit Potter's type of play. I don't think. Yeah, it would be interesting, wouldn't it? Because it would be a more proactive appointment. Uh, and probably a more sensible one even than Vieira, although Vieira, you know, we didn't know how that was going to go, and probably he was harshly sacked. But yeah. Potter technically is a better manager, I think, from what I've seen so far. Uh, would be it's interesting. games between the two of them. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you said um, he can't get a result um, at Palace, so that might work out if we play them. Then. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it'd be ideal. As you said, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, any more thoughts on this, on, on the Potter thing? We don't want to talk too much about it, because he is an ex- Coach, he's not our current coach. Just gone. It's you know he's already gone. His next coach, full stop at the moment, isn't he? He's, he's ex in general. Yeah, he's everyone's ex. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, just, oh, I think it's just beautiful that that Chelsea have thrown money at this and and they've completely. I mean, they, you you wouldn't say what they've got is a team, and they're now going to have to sell a load of their potentially their better younger players. Hopefully, someone like Colwell, and that's where I think the interest comes from. Albion, whoever they get, you know, if they get someone like Nagelsmann, I can't see him being interested right. in playing Colwell. And that's where, whereas Potter potentially would have been, because obviously he was here when when we brought him in on loan and that sort of thing. So might give us a better chance. On the other hand, I also think if Colwell's available, Chelsea will want to get every penny they can out of him. And he may well go to someone like West Ham or Leicester, or, or not Leicester, West Ham or Villa, who've got a lot more money than us to spend and are happy yeah. to spend it. Yeah. Um, and we also, just one final point um, on Chelsea. Um, they've... Lost 2-0 at home to Villa, which is what was the final straw prompting this. They've got into the quarterfinals of the Champions League, but they have been poor in the league. Um, four losses, um, really, before, you know, um, 
recent oh no I'm looking at the wrong thing sorry um a loss two wins a draw and a loss is their recent form book guide they've dropped to 11th bottom half of the table second time they've done that but this is obviously being a later point in the season not great especially when you just lost at home to the team that was below you so now they've got Villa and Fulham above them as well as the likes of us Brentford and Liverpool um they're 12 points off the Champions League places but and they're not going to turn that round because quite frankly um First of all, Man United have got a game in hand on them in fourth place anyway. And other teams such as ourselves and Liverpool have games in hand on them. And there's too many points and too many teams between. Absolutely no chance they get Champions League for me. But they're also 12 points off the drop. Um, And that is too low for a Chelsea manager uh, to get away with, I guess, up to a point. But they were supposed to make it longer term. But, um, But they're 11th in the table. They're five points behind us. They've played two extra games than us. Isn't that wonderful? And five places between us as we're up in sixth at the moment. Alan, are you enjoying that? <laughs> oh, it's funny. But I mean, the, the, the question has got to be asked. If, they, if, they, if they're not even going to make any kind of European spot, then will, uh, will a coach of uh, Nagelsmann's quality want to join Chelsea? Yeah, well. But particularly if, particularly if he's, he seasons, sees the club as being some kind of basket case club anyway. You know, because yeah. the only way we'll come in and say, OK, it's a project and, uh, you know, it's going to take me a year to turn things around and everything will be set up for me. But uh, the way the way, the way Ted, Todd Bowley and the, and the set up there for behave with Potter, I mean, you know, what's, who's to say it's going to change? Yeah, they've had uh, to deal with, obviously, Potter's had to come in. You've got this problem of he's uh, unproven as, you know, being top level coach so far, goes in a team of Prima donnas, probably, certainly people with big egos. People who are on big salaries have had big transfer fees, and he's the new guy. You've already got that disadvantage of being the new the new face in the dressing room, and as the manager or coach, that's, that's already tricky. You then lump a load of new players with even bigger egos coming in. Uh, there's too much incohesion to what the transfer policy was, i.e. there wasn't one really. As you said, Peter, it's just all oh, Arsenal are after this player. Let's just grab him, shall we? Um, you know, I think it was you that said that. Um, yeah, they should leak out the fact that Arsenal are after Aaron Connolly and then maybe they'll buy him for yes. two million. <laughs> That'd be nice. You might as well you know, rip Chelsea off again. But this is the thing. He had so much to contend with. It's an uphill struggle, not notwithstanding the fans, which I said you know, before, we're just not having it from the beginning. Um, yeah. a, a massively entitled bunch of um, of prima donna fans, really, as far as it goes. Um, and Peter, it's... Um, yeah, sorry, yeah, go on. I was just going to have a look at the, going to talk through the team they had at the weekend. I mean, Kepa cost, what, 65, 70 million? Yeah. James obviously came through the academy. Cudi Bali was about 35. Kukurea, 60-ish. Loftus-Cheek Academy. Fernandez 110 million sort of thing, wasn't he, in the end? Kovacic, about 50 million. Chilwell, about 50 million. Havertz, 70, 80, sort of, 60, 70. Mudrick, um, about 70. And then Felix was on loan, but would have cost a lot as well. So, I mean, that's the best part of five million just on that first 11. It's obscene that yeah. they, like, you know, they're 11th in the league with that yeah. quality in there. And on, on the matter of Europe, I mean, they are five points behind Brentford with an inferior goal difference from the same number of games played, and they've got 10 each to play. So, you know, Europe in even the Conference League is looking unlikely for if them. If I was them, I'd rather not get into the Conference League. I'd rather just have mm-hmm. a season yeah. out of Europe. And I don't think any player or manager is going to decide to go there because of the Conference League. No, exactly. Champions League or nothing. Maybe you just probably... about Europa, but not the Conference League. So I don't. If I was him, I'd almost rather not get seventh. Yeah. Than then... If they if they're trying to get Nogglesman, it would probably be more attractive to Nogglesman yeah. to have a clear slate of just league 
league and domestic cups are gender only rather than trying to go on another front and lots of travel and lots of discipline yeah. with the, the squad and everything else. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be hard enough to persuade him, but I think conference will actually be an extra detriment uh, to the chances of getting him. Sure, another £500 million budget and uh, a lot of money over five years for himself will probably help it. Yeah. And all, all the... Yeah. <laughs> all the, all like the names mentioned like that. All yeah, the names we it, mentioned, it's the same ones, isn't it, really? It's Zidane, it's uh, Nagelsmann, it's um, uh, Lewis Enrique. There's the Eintracht Frankfurt coach being a possible outside bet, and he's done pretty well. And then you've got um, uh, Pochettino, as you said, yeah. And uh, and then a couple of loose comments about the likes of Deserby and people like that. But um, How about uh, Brendan Rodgers? Not Brendan <laughs> Rodgers, no. I funnily enough, no, no, he hasn't been mentioned. Um, he got uh, sacked, of course, as well from Leicester. Leicester... Nathan um, Jones, maybe. Well, oh, yeah. Jones. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, please, please let that happen. It's so impossible. It's not going to happen. It's so good. <laughs> um, I was just quickly on on Leicester as well, just while, just to shift things along. They were winning at Palace um, in their uh, peppermint green away kit, and they uh, conceded a lead away to Palace and lost two one, which is exactly what happened in uh, the other game, which was between Bournemouth and Fulham. Was it? I think yeah, where Fulham were playing in the same kind of kit, they went one 0 up and conceded and lost in another six pointer as well. Um, Leicester are now second bottom in the table. Southampton the bottom of twenty three, um, Leicester twenty five, Everton still yet to play tonight against Spurs as we speak. Twenty six goal difference behind Leeds who got thrashed to Arsenal. Bournemouth up to sixteenth with twenty seven after their win, and Forest who lost the chance with the last minute equaliser from Wolves. They, um, to win their game. They're on 27 as well, but with a slightly better goal difference. West Ham, who won against Southampton yesterday, Sunday, are above them on goal difference. They're up to 14th with one fell swoop, also on 27. Wolves, 28, and Palace, annoyingly, as I said, men- mentioned earlier, won uh, their game. They're up to 30. couple of results away from making it safe, probably. Well, it depends what we mean by results, but uh, or, uh, two wins or a win and three draws will probably do it now for them. Um, it's unlikely they'll go down. There's too many points in between teams um, there. I think it's just not going to it's not going to happen. But I think um, Le- Leicester are in real trouble, aren't they? Mm. Don't you think? I mean, they've yeah. um, they've got uh, the goal difference isn't too bad. Apart from that, not much to say for them. Um, you know, they're, they're only a point into the relegation zone at the moment. But all of those teams at the bottom have played the same number of games, apart from Southampton, who played one more. Uh, and, and then West Ham have played one less before you get to Wolves. So, you know, it's all very, very close as it has been for a few weeks. I still think Southampton and Bournemouth will go down, but I think Forest or um, Leicester, but I'm thinking now more Leicester by the minute. Um, it depends who comes in and what they manage to do now that Brendan Rodgers has been sacked. But do you but think the, it was too I some good, Yeah, I mean, they've got some good quality players there. I mean, obviously something, yeah. something wasn't quite right with, with the players of Rodgers somehow. Hmm. And it really depends who they bring in, who can maybe uh, get 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 something out of the players, which they have. Yeah, yeah. I'd be tempted to go very good. I go for Hasselhoff if I was them. He generally did pretty well in that situation at Southampton, and uh, he's available. He can start now. I wouldn't bother going with a Benitez type thing or whatever. If I just go for someone actually who can they can take over, and I think generally Southampton did okay in the, over on the whole. And I mean, it's, I think they'd probably be a better position now if he hadn't been sacked in the first place. Hmm. The big yeah, thing is keeping Madison fit anyway. It's like yeah, I mean, anyway. I, know, I know there's a certain antipathy for um for, for Everton by some people, but uh, I'm really hoping they're going to win today, tonight rather. Yeah, 
Yeah, I am. Uh, against Tottenham because that suits us yep. really well. We've got two so, games uh, in hand on Spurs at the moment uh, and they're six points ahead of us and we've yeah. got a goal difference. So, yeah, we really could do with Spurs, especially with Newcastle being Man United. So they're both up, both on 50 now, whereas uh, if Newcastle had lost that, they'd still be on 47. That's quite annoying. So, yeah, we could do with pulling Spurs back into it. Um, I don't see us getting top five anyway, to be honest. It's like... I think with the number of games we've got and how difficult a lot of them are, I think I don't. I think sixth is our top target now. Personally, I don't see us. I would definitely don't see us overtaking United or Newcastle, yeah. and I probably don't see us overtaking Tottenham just because of the lack, the amount of injuries we've had over in recent times and the depth we've got and the number of games we're going to have to play. Hmm. Um, yeah, and we'll. Uh... I was going to say with um, with Spurs, of course, we've got them next away. But if we could win, that would be great. But yeah, it's going to be a, a tall order. Um, it's going to be difficult. We've, as you said, we've got difficult games. We do like those games. We have done quite well in them, but it's still a tall order under under pressure. Brentford getting the draw with us, and we've, we'll go on to talk about that in part two in just a moment. But there's still goal difference behind us now. We've got the two games in hand. It was vital we avoided defeat, and we did, but <laughs> only just in the end. Um, we did like to make things hard for ourselves, handing three goals to them effectively. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, we're uh, a point above Liverpool at the moment and we've got a game in hand on them and we're playing Bournemouth tomorrow uh, away. Liverpool are playing Chelsea away. Um, if they don't get the full result to Liverpool and we manage to win, uh, then we we could be uh, a significant gap ahead of Liverpool as well as Chelsea. Who would have thought this at the beginning of the season? Eh? Or, if, yeah. or if they win and we lose, we'll blow them again. Yeah, let's not talk about that. Stuffing. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair they've got the easier game <laughs> I love it <laughs> yeah well I don't know new manager uh, interim manager bounce maybe um, it, or, or, well we don't mind to be honest if Chelsea pull off a result now um, it, that would be quite funny in its own right as long as we've got a win because we don't want them getting close to catching us but um, a draw would probably do us wouldn't it really I think yeah um, be fine yeah 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 yeah, we'll settle for that. Right, that's that's sorted. Um, but that's all coming up as a result of the last match, of course, where we play Brentford. We'll be talking about that in part two. Okay, to part two then. We're going to review the Albion game against Brentford in a moment. Just a couple of bits on managerial news I wanted to add as well. I, I know um, somebody, I think it was Robin, popped on a message saying that 25, this is spoiled now by a recent sacking, Brendan Rodgers, um, but 25% of the Premier League managers prior to this weekend had uh, been ex-Watford managers. <laughs> and I think, Peter, you said... Um, I read recently that you're never more than 10 foot away from a former Watford manager in response to that. Um, crazy, isn't it? How uh, Watford of all teams as well. Yeah, <clears throat> doesn't it? Yes, Potter would have been a long-term appointment for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seven months would have just been off the scale, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, so that, I just wanted to pop, pop that out there. Also, one other bit about stats. Um, very low stats for ground-covered Um in our modus operandi um, under Roberto De Zerbi, which is interesting, considering how much domination of the ball we have. Um, it's it's all about what we do with the ball, isn't it? Moving it around, keeping the opposition occupied. And we uh, we certainly were doing that on Saturday. I think I haven't looked at the stats yet, but I think we had, was it 73% possession? Um, mm. I 
heard 67 in the end. I, I just make that up. No, it's in the high 70s. Was it? It's just like low 70s, sorry, 70. It was 70 yeah. odd. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, I knew it's like a lot. Yeah, there's a, there's a few incredible stats, and we'll go into the stats more and, and talk about the game in a minute. I just wanted to quickly quote one other thing as well. I, I did a load of stuff about Kieran Maguire's posts on Twitter to do with the uh, the Albion stats. We may try and get Kieran on soon, actually. Um, but one other bit I didn't quote, which I've, which I've subsequently seen and think is brilliant, is that Brighton made more from player sales in that last financial year published, the 2021-22 season period, uh, then they made more um, money from player sales then than they did in the previous 120 years of the club's existence altogether. Magnificent, isn't it? Not entirely surprising given the ongoing continued inflation on player prices, but it's still brilliant to see. I love it. Yeah, um, the other interesting stat I thought from um, the manager stuff as well, just going back quickly, yeah. is that I think it was like now 12 sackings in the Premier League this season with yeah. 10 clubs involved. And, and then most of yeah, both Chelsea and Southampton sacking two managers. So half the teams have changed. Well, half the teams have chosen to change their manager this year, and obviously then on top of that, there's us who didn't choose to but had that forced on us. And yeah, two of them have done it twice. So. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. it's how much money is going out of the game by paying all this compensation. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I don't know what Chelsea paid Tuchel and, and Potter and their teams overall this season, but it's probably like close to like four thirty, forty million overall between them. Most probably, yeah. And Tuchel's back and work, of course. He's now at Bayern Munich. Yeah. Um, uh, by the way, just what it'd be ironic if him and he, if he'd ended up there and Nagelsmann ended up at uh, at Chelsea. Hmm. One of the, speaking of stats, one of the stats actually, I just picked up. Uh, Robin, friend of the show, posted a while ago. I think it's a few days ago. Um, related to the Grimsby match, um, there was a thing that was covered at half time about the cardiac um, facilities at the Albion. He said, just watching the video of the Forest fan who had had a cardiac arrest at the Amex, they, they covered the matter at the Grimsby game. He said, unbelievable. There have been seven cardiac arrests since the Amex opened, and every single person has survived. According to him, he said statistical odds of that are around one in 1.2 billion. I don't know if that stat's wow. correct, but if it is, that's absolutely incredible, isn't it? Um, applause to the club all round. That's superb, isn't it? To the stewards, the medical staff, and whoever else is involved in, in making those those um, successes. Um, you know, fantastic, really, isn't it? Absolutely fantastic. Um, and uh, anyway, yeah, so that's uh, moving on. One other thing as well, I've got to go back and I've got to have one more pitch at Chelsea before we get onto the game as well. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention last time, and this is absolutely delicious. It's almost more delicious than the, uh, the Potter sacking itself. Um, there was an approach made. Chelsea, uh, this was a post on Twitter. It said, Chelsea are disappointed with Bayern's, uh, Bayern Munich's public approach for their coach, Anthony Barry, who is in the backroom team. They don't want to let the highly rated coach leave and feel it would be an unnecessarily destabilizing uh, act at this crucial stage of the season. <laughs> Hot kettle black. That was so good. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, what they actually meant was we ought to be able to sack him ourselves rather than let him go somewhere else by choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing that is annoying me with Chelsea, by the way, is there was a guy who I've been hearing Only about. One. Only, oh, and only, one, <laughs> only one other thing, which is um, actually from Tim Vickery, the South American expert, was talking about a young Ecuadorian who is sensationally exciting. No chance we'd get him because even though we've got Ecuadorian teammates that we could try and persuade him, he is seriously talented. Attacking midfielder, his name's Kendry Pais. He's 15 years old. 
but apparently um, Chelsea have now made a move for him. Uh, they, they've, they've got a pre-contract deal set up for seventeen point six million or something uh, for a fifteen-year-old. Um, but he is, by all accounts, the absolute business. Henry Pais, P-A-E-Z, that is. Um, look out for him. I'm sure. I'm sure we can probably get him on loan along with the other eighty-five million people they'll have on loan at Chelsea. Right. Anyway, let's go. On. Let's, that's enough dissing of uh, of Chelsea. Let's go on to the match, shall we? So. Brighton three, Brentford three. We needed to avoid defeat. We were talking about that in the preview show. Um, we did avoid defeat, but we made hard work of it, as I said earlier. Three times they took the lead. Three times we had to equalise. They said, who are you? We sung, who are you, back at them. All the usual shenanigans afoot. Um, it was two all after 26 minutes, 27 minutes. Uh, a mad game, really mad cap, entertaining, full of uh, full of um, incidents and... Um, Ultimately, not not one for the coaches because of the defending, really, was it? But for the neutrals and for the fans in general, just as a spectacle, it was absolutely brilliant, wasn't it? What did you make of it, boys? Peter, do you want to go first on that? To be honest, I don't, it's one of those games where you don't really know quite what to say. I mean, on the one hand, you, you go behind three times and equalise each time. You should be very pleased with the point. On the other hand, when you have 33 shots to the other team's seven or something, and 70% possession, I mean, how do you, and what, 14 corners to none or something as well? How yeah. can you then be happy with a draw? I mean, we absolutely dominated them. One thing, yeah, I'll let I'll, I'll let Alan maybe carry on with that. But then, but well, yeah, one thing I was going to say was ignoring the penalty. Obviously, was a bit took a bit of time. But six goals, no VAR time, literally no issue with any of them. No even debate. It wasn't nothing came on the screen. There was no suggestion of any anything being close. It was so refreshing to be able to properly celebrate or not celebrate. Obviously, in Brentford's case proper goals, you know, that there was no suggestion of being disallowed and waiting for ages. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I hadn't really clocked that in essence. But yeah, you're right. That's, that is that is the case. Uh, any checks were pretty quick. They're in, incidental and unobtrusive. Uh, it, it's great, isn't it? That's a good thing. As long as they're getting, they're not getting decisions badly wrong. <laughs> um, and that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it was some match. Uh, the, I mean, we, we, Took, uh, we were sort of conceded the lead, Janssen, 10 minutes. Uh, all of these goals I thought were really well taken, actually. All of the go- goals in this game, pretty much. Um, Janssen with a, a flick header from a, um, a quick, quickly taken throw in, wasn't it? That was then laid off, crossed in, and he just stole ahead. We had three defenders there, but he stole ahead of Dunk, who was the nearest, uh, glancing header with power on it. Um, goalie couldn't do much about that, to be honest. Could Dunk have done more with it, would you say? Or was it a matter of we switched off? A criticism of us switching off earlier into the move, letting them get the cross in. Well, I think I think I think Dunn could have done better, but I think Jansen was made a very powerful run. Uh, mm. It was quite difficult to defend against that once once it happened. When he runs um, the ball, yeah. yeah. The commentators seem to be of that opinion, didn't they? Yeah, I think at the end of the day for the game, I mean, if what. <laughs> It was pretty obvious what was going to happen because I think if you look at the um, record of Brentford and uh, and Brighton, I think Brentford have scored the most set piece goals this year. They have, and yeah. Brighton and Brighton have conceded the most set piece <laughs> goals. So, I mean, what could go wrong, really? Yeah, it's uh, not as if we conceded <laughs> three set piece goals, was it? No, that's yeah. right. Fifteen of our thirty-four goals, I think, it's in the match today have been from set yeah. pieces. I mean, I yeah. I haven't even picked up on that specifically, but. Yeah, the second one was we our own set as well. We're simply not bothering with that because we've got so much cool stuff going on at the other end that we want to work on. Mm. But I think, I think, I mean, it's, 
I think with Dunk, he's, uh, he doesn't seem to like the real physical yeah. players. I mean, Janssen, big, Dane, huge guy, you know, physically uh, imposing. He made that run. There was no way. You yeah. could just tell that he was going to beat Dunk at that point. And the big thing is we don't past. have that many big players. Well, it's like, it is yeah. literally Dunk and Colwell, really, isn't it? Yeah. We don't have a big striker. Welbeck's not huge. He's like, you know, he's probably the third biggest, but you know, for someone, for example, when we had Modder in the team last year, he's about six foot two or something. So at least he provides some some height in there. But we don't have any height in the midfield at all. No. Hmm. But for, for someone like Jansen, he's so there. So he's so physically, he's such a a big man. I mean, hmm. he's, he's like he's like a Viking, but he's come from Vikings. <laughs> I mean, he's just he's just big. You can just imagine him as a Viking many years ago. Just uh, and, just and the his way first he's, appearance yeah. since like October or something, wasn't it? Yeah. And then obviously Tony is another. Physically imposing player. I mean, it's yeah, a fantastic a team. And fantastic yeah, goal he scored. Hence, they score a lot from set pieces. Yeah. I am a little bit frustrated that Tony was able to play and score, given you know the, all that's going on. It seems I don't know what's holding him up in the actual process of this. And also, if he has actually pleaded guilty to something, he should be banned in the meantime, and then it gets taken off his final punishment. He shouldn't be mm. allowed to carry on playing while mm. you know, kind of, if he's admitted to stuff that will get a ban. He should, he should be banned now. He shouldn't be allowed to play, in my view. Yeah, well, there's certainly an argument for that. And he was a key player in this game. He was very physical. He was involved in a lot of what was going on. He scored that second goal. Um, and he was doing a lot of shithousing, wasn't he? He was, he was trying every trick in the book on, uh, off the ball and, you know, in, in key, key moments uh, against Colwell, who was struggling. Our defence in general struggled. I don't think Colwell or Dunk had a good game, to be honest. Um in the, in the centre back roles, um, and yeah, he, he has an influence on that on matches, and he's their penalty taker, and he's their key scorer, and yeah, there is an argument to say should he be playing. I don't know, you know, where, where's the uh, the cut off in terms of uh, significance of offences? I say admittance versus non admittance of offences, um, ongoing matters. Um, it depends what the offence is, I suppose, in one sense, but. You know, it, it seems it seems like this should have been done sooner. I don't know how long they need to work on whatever the investigation is. Maybe they need a lot of time to formulate everything. But it does seem very frustrating, particularly if, um, you know, he, he comes in, he has an effect on this match, and then maybe he's not available. Um, say, say, for example, we get the better of Brentford and we get five or six points ahead of them, and someone else comes into the equation, let's say Chelsea, for amusement's sake, come into the equation, and... You know, then Tony's not available uh, when we want Brentford to get points against Chelsea or against, you know, uh, whoever else of Tottenham or Liverpool or whoever else is in the equation. Um, the same goes with any team in any scenario pushing for the title, pu- pushing to avoid relegation. Well, uh, against uh, yeah. the relegation battle, is it? If, no, if it, well, on, on Wednesday, uh, Brentford are playing United. Yeah. So we yeah. wanted to be playing in that game. And then yeah, we wanted Saturday, to play in that one. Yeah. And then on Saturday, uh, Brentford are playing Newcastle at home. So again, yeah. we want. We want him. Uh, we, want, we want him scoring in those two games. Really. Mind you, do we? Because Brentford um, are still on our tails. Maybe, yeah, maybe to yeah. the to the point of getting a draw in those. Or a draw, games. a draw. That's fine. But we just we want to, we don't want uh, them to. Yeah, we, we yeah. don't want to get uh, United or Newcastle to win. No, yeah, we we still want that Champions League place, Alan. We we, we can dream until we can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the game, uh, yes, Jansen got the goal in 10 minutes. Um, very irritating. It was their only chance, I think, wasn't it, at that point? After we had a half before that point, I don't think. Whole yeah, exactly. yeah. 
their first raid in our half, just to use a Viking-style expression. <laughs> and mm. there it goes, he scores. Mitterma then gets a goal. And this I love this goal because what I loved about this goal was the fact that we don't do direct football or that's the perception. So we pass it around and we dominate games and we, we, put, we put pressure on and we do this, that and the other. And there's all the tactical nuances and the studs on and all that stuff. The uh, What do they call it? The soul role. They're now talk, talking about it as. Um, and yet there you are. You you left one weakness. You've left it open at the back for a long ball. We spot it. We take advantage. Steele with a sweeping drive, what, 70, 80 yards up pitch. Uh, Mittimer gets the better of his man on pace. One touch, lobs it over the goalkeeper in the back of the net. Boom, sorted, 21 minutes. Absolutely love it. The only thing that I didn't like about that was we hardly had time to celebrate the bloody goal before Tony got his goal. A minute later, we switch off. They cut inside, a very good finish, to be honest. Um, again, left still no chance at all. He had that extra bit of whip on the shot. If it was slightly slightly less hard, uh, you know, if he tried to pass it in there, we might have been able to save it, but he did put some real purpose into that hit and, and he couldn't stop it. So there we are, 2-1 down again. Absolutely but, awful defending. I don't know where the defence went to. And yeah, yeah, Dunkley was like just drifting back behind, you know, much, you know, much deeper than everyone else. And everyone else just kind of just, Turned, you know, switched off and just seemed to. It, it took one flick when we won the, when we lost the ball to get Tony through. And I mean, yeah, I mean, it was a good finish, but it was a finish that he's going to take. You know, it, you can't give a player of his quality what no. the rights or wrongs of you know he should be playing or not. You can't give a player of his quality that sort of space. Yeah, well, he's it was a turn. It was a turnover from a from a throwing by us, wasn't yeah. it? I think. Yeah, yeah we get, we had the throw in. Yeah. That's right. And they yeah. um, we just gave the ball away. Really, there. It's just. Um, it's very, very disappointing to see. I have to say, going back, going back to the mid of a goal, there was a clip that the club have posted on YouTube, and in actual fact, you can see that Deserve is whistling, or you can hear rather, you can hear Deserve is whistle, <laughs> instructing Steele to do what he did. I think oh, the way right. he was kind of moving with his hands, so you could hear you could hear Deserve whistling, and then as the ball came over. And it got obviously got to Matumi. He saw uh, Thomas Frank putting his hands on his head, going, "Oh my God!" <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously after after Matumi scored, uh, Deserve went absolutely crackers, <laughs> ran in front of ran in front of Thomas Frank onto the pitch, <laughs> jumping up and down. <laughs> um, I think Alan, you're you're um, we all are, but I think you especially are a, a bit of a fan of Roberto Deserbi's touchline <laughs> antics, aren't you? And um, there is yeah. um, we should mention, and you keep sending the links for it on YouTube. There's um there's kind of Deserbi cam or whatever it's called, where uh, you can see him in in, in all his glory in, in a montage sequence, kind of per yeah. game each game, which is great. Yeah, but I'm brilliant. Yeah, I noticed I noticed on Saturday that the uh, the the touchline iPad took a bit of a bashing from the party <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, he just he completely looked at the, I think it was, was it the footage of that second goal? I can't remember which goal it was. I think... <laughs> One of the decisions. Oh, no, I think it was when we gave away the indirect free kick inside the box for the back pass. Mm. That was it. Um, later on. And he, he was looking at it. He, he obviously looked at and analysed what had happened and he just flipped the bloody iPad on the floor and went stomping <laughs> off. <laughs> you got to love the guy. Yeah, so that was, yeah, a very annoying to concede again, again with virtually their next attack. Um, however, another six minutes later, with only 28 minutes of the game gone, it's two all, Danny Welbeck. We'd had a couple of really good passing moves. This was one of those lovely ones where we turned it over to the right, turned it further over to the right, got forward, Soddy marches in there. I think the ball 
he tried to get it and it came back to him. I think that was that yeah. move. And then, then he crossed it back in, didn't he? Deep to the far post. And there he is, Danny Welbeck, getting his fourth goal of the season, nodding in at the back post and, um, and blowing a kiss by the looks of it to the Brentford fans as he, as he strolled over towards the east. <laughs> I think it's just a shit even Tony, apparently. That's to it, it, yeah. Yeah. They were taunting <laughs> him. Yeah, so. Yeah, well, Tony is, yeah, he does like uh, to wind up the fans, doesn't he, with his goal celebration. To be honest, his, his one was fairly muted, I thought, um, even though it's at the North Stand end. Um, but yeah, ours from Welbeck, two all, 28 minutes, um, and the assist from March, as we mentioned. So decent stuff. Uh, good game, very entertaining. And that's how it ended up um, staying at half time. Yeah, we had that, that one chance we had was the one where Mr. Magetto gets around the back and. I think Welbeck, the, the defender, kind of puts it towards goal, and Welbeck actually just diverts it to the keeper instead. Yes. Than, if he hadn't yeah. been there, it probably might have gone straight into the yeah. goal for the defender. Yeah. And, we uh, had to... and, Co- and Cole will uh, miss the real. Yeah. Really easy. Really shot, well shot. Saved. Yeah. It the, was the, very the, much. The Cole will a... one was a f- very frustrating in the first half because I felt oh. he, he. Very much. Yeah. It was very much. Which, a... which comes to the stat that's like my favourite, I'll have to say, was that every single one of our 10 starting outfield players. Had at least two shots in the game. Yeah, and, and there was another one uh, which I haven't, I haven't seen on television at all, even in the uh, the Sky highlights, where um, March got the ball and uh, he got free, and he actually basically hit it with his left foot, tried to curl it round Ray, and made a complete hash of it. Yeah, it's like hmm. a back pass. Um, it? it was, yeah. <laughs> And, you know, because I remember turning to Andy Bravey, Bravey was standing next, sitting next to me, and I said, you know, if it, if that was De Bruyne, that would have been top corner. Yeah, yeah, he didn't quite have his recent shooting boots on. Yeah, no, no, there's a couple no. of times you could picture him curling it in the corner, and he just didn't. Another one yeah. he tried to shoot to the, I think it was to the near post, but it got a deflection off someone's backside, yeah. took all the sting out of it, and it still had to make a save. But Raya, who who I thought was excellent, actually, and he had to be. Um, made the save and sorted it. I say yeah, he had to he be. He was excellent, but I thought a lot of them did just end up straight at him. There was, yeah. there was he didn't. There, the McAllister one, he dived tip round, but that was a good height, and there were one or two others. But generally, most of mm. our efforts ended up pretty much being straight into his arms. Yeah, and there were but, plenty uh, of others. But but, 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 but he, he's uh, he's quite a small keeper, actually. If you look in, I mean, look, you can see when he was standing. Uh, Particularly for the penalty, you can see how small he is. But he's uh, he's one of these keepers that always has a knack of being in the right place at the right yeah. time. I did find <laughs> myself wondering so, at the weekend, given maybe our strengths and weaknesses, what our team would be like if we had Raya and Tony. Oh wow, yeah, that, that would be, be pretty. Good. You know, because obviously the keeper position is not certain either way who's number one, and there's been in and out. And Raya is a, a quality keeper, and obviously Tony's. You know, for all Ferguson coming through, Tony's a quality striker. We had those two at either end of our team with the rest of the team as it is. Yeah. The, look at the stats. Um, we certainly did have plenty of chances. And we had, as, as you said, Peter, we had every single outfield player in our team had at least two um, attempts on goal, which has never happened in the whole period that there's been opt to stats on the top flight, uh, which is, goes back to what the mid noughties, I think, or somewhere like that. Um, which is incredible. Um, we had 33 shots to Brentford seven. We had 15 shots on target to their five. And we had 14 corners. They didn't have any, probably as well, with their set-piece record versus ours. And we had um, 4.5 XG as well, which is about the highest yeah. ever in the Premier League. one of the highest ever in the Premier isn't it? Yeah. It's absolutely enormous XG. Even better than in our, our heyday of missing chance after chance under Potter. But, um, yeah, it, incredible stats. And... Um, 
really, when you look back at that and you look at the possession, we had 72% possession, by the way, according to the BBC anyway. Um, that really, it does, it is frustrating, isn't it? Because you think we really should have made more of that. It's, it's the sort of game which usually we would have been frustrated in under Potter, isn't it? Um, probably yeah, like. I, I, I'd say, I'd turn it around actually. I think if we won that 3 0 as we should have done, arguably, then mm. we wouldn't have complained about the lack of, you know, only scoring no. three goals from 4.5. It's the defence that was a problem. It's if the, if they picked up Jansen for the first goal and not let, or not let it cross in. If they'd not just basically left Tony unmarked for the second goal. If we're not arguably given away a silly free kick and then left someone unmarked for the third. Although when we come to the third, I do, I do wonder if, was it Grosh might have been fouled in a build up? I think he was complaining quite a bit to the referee after it. Although it was it was a free kick, the foul, I think he was fouled in a kind of it was a bit of a kind of bounce to the ball kept being going to different one team to the other. And I think at one point it looked like Rush might be a foul on the sky replay. Yeah, I must confess I didn't see that. I was coming back from the toilet having just had a beer at half time. So I missed that. It was in the forty ninth minute. Um yeah, definitely I did see the replay of the I, I didn't see the bit with the foul, so I, I can't comment on that. But it, certainly what was given as a free kick was correct at that stage. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and Pinnock, who, again, another big guy, another set-piece guy, centre-back who's been with the club for many years. I don't know his exact stats, but what I can tell you is that, if I'm not mistaken, he has been with the club since League Two. He's played in every division. I think I'm right in saying this. And he's still um, carving a name for himself in the Premier League at what I assume is his early 30s by this point. Uh, a really good player, actually. He's quite solid, strong. But this, was, this wasn't this was just getting above a couple of players, pushing them around and heading it in the net. This was um, timing a run onside, getting past our last our far post defenders and getting out and putting a pretty decent little finish in uh, with his right foot. Um, yeah, we should have defended it better, you can argue. But from an attacking point of view... Good move, good finish from Pinnock. He's a good player, isn't he? He's um, yeah. he's a great, it's a great story for football, I think. Someone it, like it, him. Could, it, it could be said he's at the pinnacle of his career. Yeah, <laughs> the pin, of course. Now yeah. I want to put a slight damper on your comments. He's, he's he only been there since 2019. Yeah, 2019. I must be thinking of someone else then. Yeah. Really? Who am I thinking of? I'm I sure no there was idea. a player who'd been with Brentford. If it wasn't Pinnock, I'm trying to think of it was. Okay, well I take all that back. But he is at the Pinnock all of his career. You're right, Alan. He's a decent player. He's and yeah, I mean, their set pieces are everything that we're with ours aren't, and not so much in delivery actually. Although that was a really good delivery. It's the finishing. If you look on Saturday, you know you can look at it and say 14 corners didn't score, not great delivery. But actually, the number of chances we created from set pieces recently, and especially on Saturday, was quite high. Mm. And Dunk should have scored second half. At least once, and arguably just gone the first of as well. There's a couple of panicky ones early on as well, where the ball bounced around and they got lucky. And one one early on, I think, where they got a foul given in four and four them, and I don't know quite what for. And so, yeah. you know, it, it's it's not necessarily delivery, but it's just quite frustrating that you know we can't just seem to take the chances. Yeah, mm. but going but going back to the pinnock goal, it's um if you look at uh, before the before the kick, free kick was taken. Pinnock was actually ahead of both Colwell and Estupinio, but still onside. Yeah. So really, right. it was just poor positioning by Colwell and, and Estupinio, really. Yeah. I'm not sure. Who, I, I think it was, was it Colwell was further, further to the, to the left, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, so you could argue and say he should have, 
Yeah, I'm not sure who should have been picking him up, but basically no one. Picking him up, surely. I mean, Pinnock shouldn't yeah. be picked up by a stupid man. No. It's like, it seems ridiculous that he'd do that because he's about six six inches taller. Yeah, so basically he had a head start before. Yeah. It's a good, it's, the free kick. it's a really good run and a really good free kick and a good finish, but mm. it's one of those goals when you, when you score it, you're like, that's a really well-worked goal. But when you concede it, you're like really frustrated and say it's dreadful defending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, also it's notable. Free, also just like like a silly free kick to give away because even ignoring potentially of a foul, I think we gave it away three times in the build-up to their free kick. We yeah. kept giving it away and giving it back to them and then they gave it back to us. And we, both Welbeck and Grosh at one point or other, were guilty of that. So yeah. if, even if there was a foul, we had plenty of chance to get rid of it rather than give away the free kick. Umbuemo, who's, who's a good a good addition to their team, I think, since he obviously through the championship and then into the prem, he's he's he got two of the assists there. He got for the second and third goal, um, and gets and weighs in with quite a few goals as well himself. Um, he's he's a good sort of player in their squad, and yeah, he he also has had a telling contribution in this match. And when they scored on the forty nine minutes, I think you know you were thinking, well. We're not going to get away with this again, surely. And it looked like we weren't. Uh, the rest of the half went on. We had more chances. Um, we could have taken some. We didn't. We got to the 90th minute, and there was a uh, what looked at first that substitute Undav um, had spooned one over from really good range. And I was fearing the worst for his future, you know, thinking, here we go again. There's going to be more scorn. But it turned out. It was blocked, and it was blocked with the hands of Mr Hickey. Uh, it was spotted by VAR. It was quickly decided on. And uh, Do you think it was quick? Do you think it was quick? I thought it took a long time. I mean, it, took, yeah. it was ridiculously too long. It was so obvious. Oh, I mean, by, by said, VAR standards, it was quick. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think, I think uh, VAR should have said to, uh, was it Oliver, the referee? He should have said, definitely pen. And he well, I mean, it definitely hit his arm, but it was a matter of, I think, the... <laughs> Was this it a, was so it clear? Was, it, was, it was a red card to me as well. I don't understand how it's. Well, I think he it was. his arm when diving. If you leave I, with your arm, it, whether or not you mean to handball it, you're leaving the chance happening, and it it was a clear. Yeah, red you're card. preventing the goal. It, it was almost certainly. I, mean, I, I think it was certainly going in yeah. for that connection. So you're physically stopping the goal. You're not, yeah. you're not blocking someone from them running through on goal or something like that. You're actually yeah. stopping the ball going over the line. Yeah. And it, I think it, it's not it's not a Luis Suarez scenario, of course, or or anything like that. But it is still going to it's still preventing a goal in the same way as the Suarez. Or Cup I mean, what's the difference between that? Well, I think actually, it's actually it was more obvious a handball than uh, William when he yeah. it stopped. So, I mean, William, if you if I I'm trying to re- recollect what happened. I mean, he was right on the on the you know by the goalpost. And essentially, the ball came at him really quickly from short range. This is their game and of form you talk about, isn't it? Yeah, and, no, against Fulham in the cup. This is William in the... Oh, right. When, okay. he, got, when he got sent off. Sorry, yeah. Is it cynical so to say there's not this difference here? And that's... And, yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, if you look at his hand, he was almost trying to pull it towards himself and the ball kind of struck it as, as he was moving his hand back, back to his body. Hmm. Yet, obviously, United seemed to have managed to get themselves a penalty... Yeah. They managed That's to get the player sent off, and then they managed to get to Mitrovic yeah. and uh, and and uh, Silva, absolutely apoplectic. Yeah. <laughs> they got sent off. Well, so. it's yeah, it quite, it quite late in the game. This, uh, it was against yeah. Brighton compared to Man U. That's the difference. Well, exactly. It was quite late in the game, but that was a cup match, and there would have been extra time and penalties. So it was a benefit to Man United. I don't think the player getting sent off would have been a benefit to us in this game. Although it would have been quite useful for him to be... He wouldn't have been there to, to block the next cross with his hand. 
again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we um, we'll come to that in a second. But the, the penalty was converted. McAllister, since that first Wolves goal, has buried them over and over again, and he's looked convincing doing really it. Really well he? taken. It was really well taken again. He said in the aftermatch interview, I think with the Beeb, I think it was that. Um, he really wanted to take one for Argentina. He had one or two scenarios where he might have been able to take a penalty in the World Cup and didn't get the opportunity. So it wasn't for <laughs> for lack of trying. Um, he's enjoying taking them and he buried it. And Rayo, a lot of movement on the goal line, you know, trying to put him off. But in the end, he sent him the wrong way, buried it in the top corner. Great finish again from McAllister, up to 10 goals for the season in all competitions. And that was it, three all. But as you said, Peter, there was a possible claim for a penalty later on. We're in on the left-hand side. Cross, uh, defender had just stepped, started to step into the penalty area and uh, he blocked it with his arm. Uh, wouldn't say his arm was out miles, but it was out a bit. And it, the issue was about proximity, I think, wasn't it? And most yeah, of the I, I, I think that doesn't... Count so much when someone. I thought he did have his arm quite out, quite a long way away from his body, away from the natural mm-hmm. of his body. And to me, that over oversteps the the um the, the proximity thing. I I thought it was a penalty, and it, I think so. It, I think it's given if they hadn't given one just previously, and but that shouldn't yeah. be the case. And but also, if it's given, it would have wouldn't have been overtaken, overturned. No, I don't. It absolutely wouldn't have been overturned. Mm. I think if it was a fifty-fifty, mm. he'd have given it. I think, but yeah, VAR just didn't think it was a clear and obvious error, presumably. I thought Oliver actually had a pretty poor game for being one of the best referees in the in the country. He missed both penalty shouts. He should have given both of them, in my view. He missed quite a lot of the action. He let he let quite a lot slide. The advantage he didn't give where he let didn't let us play when we were breaking three on three at the end yeah. was yeah. one of the worst refereeing decisions I think I've ever seen. I mean, what an and it's a match changing match changing decision potentially, yeah. isn't it? We had three on three over the halfway line, and he pulls yeah. us back for an offside free kick deep in our own half. I mean, what's that's like a, a Sunday league referee would be disappointed with that decision. Hmm. Yeah. Mind you, he did he did do a good thing in the first half because I think uh, I think uh, Brentford went on the break and he and they they pass the ball and it hits uh, Oliver on the backside. Well, again, he was <laughs> in the, the way. He got the way over and over again, didn't he? Yeah, which is really poor as well. Yeah. Yeah. He was, if he's the best referee in the country, has then we're really in trouble. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, oh, right, you're going to get once in a while, you're going to get in the way of something. You can't help that. But if you keep getting in the way of it yeah. at this level, you think, come on, really? You know. Yeah. You also, I thought, happen. was poor at Palace as well. You yeah. Know, you get away with quite a lot at Palace. And... Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, uh-huh. the, you know, I think really good, good atmosphere, I thought. Um, I thought it was, it was played in the right manner overall the game. There wasn't too much shithousing going on, apart from Tony with semantics and a few other bits and pieces. But generally, it was a lot better than, say, our our other West London friends who shithoused their way to getting a double over us. Brentford nearly managed the same, but, of course, we stopped them at the end there. That's going to be – that could be, and I think it will be, a vital goal, that McAllister equaliser. Um, not yeah. losing to them was so important at this stage of the season. They would have been three ahead of us. We'd have the games in hand, but technically those games in hand, because we're both playing a game in hand this midweek – the actual games in hand over Brentford are the Newcastle away and Manu at home games. And if you're three points behind Brentford, uh, suddenly there's, that doesn't feel so comfortable having two games in hand, does it? Um, so it was hugely important we didn't lose. It's frustrating we didn't win, but I'm kind of quite proud of the way we came back three times, got three equalisers and played so well, apart from defensively. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, yeah. 
it, it was a very weird, because in some ways the stats, you know, showed it suggests the kind of posse from the system. And I thought we maybe lost our way second half a little bit in attack. We kind of, they sat deep and we just were a bit too slow sometimes at times. On the other mm-hmm. hand, we scored three goals and yeah, it, it was, that, I thought there was the, the frustrating one we couldn't quite take. And I think Rush might have let it come down to his foot rather than heading it. But the one where like, the brilliant like flick through ball from Casado, where he just lobbed yeah. it over the defence, and Grosh went through and headed it, um, and it went straight at the keeper. He couldn't get any power on it. Mm. I wondered if he might have like followed it there. But also some of the stuff we we, we did at times was brilliant. Other times we looked a bit lacking in ideas. Second half, I thought, but at, at times I think when they sat very deep, they barely came out their half all part of their their half after they scored the third goal. Yeah. Any final words? I'm going to do a little bit of audio that we have from the match day as well, where I've, I've got to say hello to, if they're listening to, Martin and his dad, Dom, who were on one of the away days. I think it was last season. Lovely people, really nice. Dom didn't come on the pod, I don't think. Don, sorry. Um, but his son, Martin, did. Lovely guy. Um, so we've got a bit of audio from them coming up in a moment. But before we get to that, any final thoughts from you guys? I mean, for example, I'm not that fussed about calling it every game, but did you have a man at the match in this game? I thought it was a hard one to call, really. Oh, I, I would not defenders, that's for sure. Sorry? Mitter or Welbeck, probably, for me. Yeah, Mitter or Welbeck. I've looked at the BBC yeah. thing, so I had the stats up for them earlier, and they've got Dunk as our man of the match. I'm like, mm, no. Most, most of the no. people do that don't even watch the game, so I couldn't yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 No, I, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I agree with, you say Mitter and uh, Welbeck, but I think yeah. the second half, of the, I thought, that's what we looked really classy. Some of the little shimmies and runs. And Who's passes. that, sorry? McAllister. McAllister. Some yeah. of the shimmies and runs he was making, uh, it was it started to run the game a bit. I would, I, it was class. Really, really classy. Mm. Um, it was. It was amazing, actually. Yeah, um, he's, he's a quality player, isn't he? he really he is. is. Good, yeah. I mean, yeah. The only other comment I wanted to say uh, um, was that after uh, McAllister scored, I couldn't believe that quite a few people around me walked up. And actually, I'm sorry. Say that again, Alan. We couldn't quite hear you there. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was just saying, uh, just a, a kind of comment uh, at the, near the end of the match. After we uh, scored the equaliser penalty, quite a, quite a few people started leaving to go home. Yes. Which, yeah. which I thought was absolutely oh, yeah. incredible. But, you know, you, you're not emotionally attached to the game enough. Drama? What drama? Think, <laughs> yeah, you think, oh, well, it's like, not even like it's a, a, you know, a midweek one or something. It's, it's yeah. just... Odd. It's it's completely odd that you you know you turn up. I mean, some of the people that were leaving were, were regulars that usually go, and you think, well, why yeah. the hell are they season ticket holders? You know, we just got even if it's someone who's a who's a neutral who somehow got a ticket or whatever. Yeah, you still, still think, well, as a neutral, this is a really interesting finish, surely. Yeah, yeah they announced six minutes extra, uh, um, added time, so there was plenty of time for us to get a a, a fourth, and we were yeah. we were really on on the front foot. I mean, and people were just leaving. It was just incredible. <laughs> I just <laughs> I don't understand it. Anyway, so no, I, I don't either. I very rarely leave a game early uh, if we're getting stuffed and it's like a you know a bad journey back or something like that. But other than that, yeah. home games I, don't, I almost never leave early. I don't have a left no. about two, one home game at the Amex ever early, and that's it. Yeah. Well, guys, um, we'll leave that there in, in terms of the Brentford game. Just moving on briefly because it's all happening thick and fast from here on in. Tomorrow, as we speak, which is Tuesday, we've got Bournemouth away. Um, I don't think either of you guys are going, are you, for this one? No, no. no. Either. So we're going to have to uh, see how it all pans out. We might do a, a match, uh, a review at some point, either between Bournemouth and um, 
and Spurs, or possibly just do it as a part of the match day special, actually, the Bournemouth review. We'll see. But we've got Bournemouth away, 7.45 Tuesday evening. Leeds play Forest. That's going to be a key game. Leicester play Villa. That's going to be a key game. Um, obviously, you know, it's a Midlands derby of sorts. Um, we could do with Leicester winning that, not only for the fact that we can help keep Palace worried, but also for the fact that Villa are not that far behind us. I think they're up to two points behind with us having the two games in hand. So um, we could do with them dropping points there just to be on the safe side. And then we've mentioned Chelsea, Liverpool, of course, as well. On Wednesday, Manchester United play Brentford and West Ham play Newcastle. So again, West Ham to beat Newcastle, please. Thank you. Uh, that's that sorted. And I think a draw, Man United, Brentford would do us if we get our win. I think Chelsea, Liverpool, Man United, Brentford being draws, and us beating Bournemouth, I'd be happy with that, to be honest with you. I'd even be happy with the Chelsea win at the moment because I don't see them catching us if we win our game. Uh, Some key matches there, though, isn't there? And also, just to mention on Saturday, after that, we've got uh, Man United, Everton, Villa, Forest, Brentford, Newcastle, another tough game for them, Fulham, West Ham, Leicester, Bournemouth, Spurs, Brighton, Wolves, Chelsea, and Southampton against Manchester City, with the Sunday games being Leeds Palace, Liverpool, Arsenal. Uh, so some other key games there again. From our point of view, it's never mind about the future. Let's worry about the Bournemouth game, obviously. So can we win the match? Uh, how do you see this one going, guys? Are we going to get the points? It's a bit of a bogey team, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bogey team. I've heard that Ferguson is fit to play. Yeah, because yeah, he yeah he was left out of the squad. By the way, we should mention Welbeck started obviously, and, and Dav came on later. Uh, it was a minor knock, I think, from the internationals, wasn't it? But he's back apparently, and um, and they got good results at the weekend, Bournemouth. Yeah, I'm hoping they've got their got it out of the system, ready for for our match. Um, <laughs> we haven't got a good record against them historically, by the way. No. Um, just the full um, what do you call it? The head to head. We've won forty. We've drawn 29, and Bournemouth have won 44. So even yeah. historically speaking, all those Division Three South games and whatever else, it doesn't look like we've had the better of them. About time we turn that round, isn't it? Well, I think we, so, anyway. We, we did we, we did beat them in February, didn't we, 1-0? So, uh, and they, but they gave us quite a decent game then. We, they've actually had some really good chances, and if they had a better you know, better option to run a goal that day, they, they could well have won it. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, at least it's not someone who could do the double over us. That is, that is a good point. Um, incidentally, by the way, when we're talking about head to head, just very quickly as well, did you know our our historical head to head? I say just as some damn advertising gets in the way. Just I was about to quote it. Um, our our games won in our entire history is one thousand eight hundred and seventy. The games drawn one two three five. Games lost one seven oh five. I think that's quite good, isn't it? We've won. We've won more than any of the other stats. Is that good? I don't know what it is. But, uh, I don't know where to go with that. To be honest, <laughs> I'm claiming it as a good thing. I'm claiming it as a good thing, boys. <laughs> anyway, so that's Bournemouth, and then we've got Spurs at the weekend. Now, Peter, I know you're not going. Alan, you are coming, aren't you? Yeah, one? I'm looking forward to that. This that's going to be a cracker. Pre yep, and yep. post match, and maybe the game yep. itself as well. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> 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 a good day out last year. Late yeah, wins and uh, a good, good, good piss up afterwards as well. Yeah, there's a very nice local brewery, uh, which was was fantastic. Speaking of breweries, I did enjoy that my bottle of beer, Alan. The it's a it's a bottle of Harvey's Old Ale, which yeah. I absolutely love. I think it's a cracking pint. Yeah. You would have enjoyed yours if you didn't break it in the. Yeah, uh, it was it was a long long uh, long man. Brewery, long man, yeah. oh, yeah. ironically, they serve long man in that pub as well that we were in, um, <laughs> but not usually on the toilet floor. But uh, there we go. <laughs> I'm also having I... something very strong, but I can't actually see what it is. 
So I have no idea. It's actually, so strong you're like so pissed you can't read it. No, it's just um, it's just I'm in the dark. Actually, I haven't put the lights on in the bedroom. <laughs> the dark, yeah, that's what they always say. Yeah. Um, so I think that covers most of it. Is it? Is there anything else? Any of you, either of you gents, wanted to discuss um, general football-wise? Well, very quickly about the EFL and the National League. Can I just yeah. mention the National League? Wrexham, despite the BBC not updating, again, mentioning their website, um, they've got the wrong table. Um, Wrexham have reached 100 points. They've got six games left. They can get to 118 points. Knotts County, as I understand it, tragically, their chief executive yeah. died, I believe. So their game, I presume, was called off. Um, so they've now, I think, played the same number of games for Exima 3 clear um, with a very similar goal difference. I think Counties is slightly better, actually. I, th- I it- think that um, Rexham still got a game in hand, didn't they? Oh, no, sorry, you're right. Yeah, sorry, Wrexham yeah. have the game in hand, yeah. So it's still very much in their hands. I'm pretty sure Wrexham are going to finish the job there. They, being they play each other on Easter Monday as well. That's going to be a cracker. At Wrexham. So Re- Wrexham win that. Do you think they'll probably almost be there, really, given their game in hand and the three points? But, I mean, Notts County are going to go... Well, one of them's going to be second with 105, 110 points sort of thing, which is yeah. crazy. I, and then the next highest team is going to be on, like, 80. It's creepy. I, I know... Regardless of what um, division you're in and who's doing what, you could have a team who misses out on an auto spot because they have a freakly high score, but they've got one, two, whatever it might be, rivals who just beat them to it. Um, but this this does, does seem really ridiculous. So you finish second in the table, well into three figures, as they will be by the end of the season, and you, you end up potentially losing a playoff because you might be burnt out. You've had a, you have an awkward break before you have to play your final because of the way the structure works with the playoffs. It gives you an advantage, but it sort of doesn't as well. It's a bit yeah, tricky. It's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? That and it's yeah. and it and yeah, I think you feel that. I mean, look at Grimsby last year. I mean, they had an incredible run. They came sixth, I think it was, and only kept, got into the playoffs the last few games of the season. Uh, and I think one three away games, or two away games in, a, in, a, in a, the final, having yeah. been behind in all of them at one point. It was yeah, they they had an incredible run. Yeah, and um, what else is happening in the EFL, Peter? Uh, well, I was going to say maybe we're going to give a bit more time to that, possibly. So maybe another time. But the okay. Burnley are, are very close to going up. Maybe, yeah, maybe got... Easter we could do a roundup of that when there's been a couple of games in each division. That's true. Yeah, because there's more games in the EFL there isn't yeah. the Premier League, isn't there? So yeah, fair enough. Um, but it's it's getting exciting. There's been a couple of well, speaking of the National League, Maidstone. Um, who I saw at Maidenhead recently, um, they got relegated. They lost at home. They are down. Worthing, unless they manage to go against the odds, will be playing Maidstone next season. Uh, Worthing is still in just outside of the playoffs, yeah. I think, now. They're yeah, going they're to the playoffs. weekend, too. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're going to quite make it, but um, I don't think it'd be ready to go up, to be honest. No. Um, it's, it's, it's a good season up. Brilliant first season, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, best of luck um, for them for next season. But yeah, Maidstone are down. I think there's a game I might go to tomorrow, Burkhamsted, um, which is a great place. Um, they've got, um, I think they're in the Southern Southern League, Southern Division or something like that. And I think they were on the brink of getting promoted before the weekend. I think they have now. Sorry? I think they have been now. They have to have been, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's incredible. So early in the season. Yeah. I know the, the, the season ends this month, but it's still pretty early on. Yeah. Um, just, so. just a final word maybe for uh, Concord Rangers, who are about to start 11, uh, 11 games in April, which is... 
And we thought our schedule was bad. Yeah. From games. Because the season ends at the end of the month. They've not got a lot of depth as well. So, Hmm. yeah. Good luck to them. And they're part time, presumably. Playing every two days or pretty much. Do they even, can they even get the, the play? If they're part time or semi pro, how are they going to get the, sometimes the players may not have that many midweek games, especially the away ones. I don't know. Crazy, isn't it? Crazy. The crazy world of non-league football. We will be doing some more non-league specials at some point. I don't know if we'll be able to squeeze any in this season. Hopefully we will. In the meantime, though, um, thank you very much to our listeners, as always. If you can rate us online, five stars, Apple and all that stuff. Helps with the algorithms, write reviews, all of that, if you can. Patreon as well. Details in the episode notes. Please sign up with us if you can, if you wanted to make a contribution. Or you can just keep listening. That's fine with us as well, isn't it? Um, Thank you to Alan Dodd and to my co-host, Peter Marsh, for this episode, as always. Thank you, folks. Um, I'm just going to leave it with the audio. From, uh, the, from the match day on Saturday. So let's just quickly hear that. It's a massive game today. A massive game, Chris, a, a isn't it? Season-defining game. What do you think? If we, if we win today, it, 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 possibly we, we, could, we, could, we could basically get Europe today and not get without contention for Europe. <laughs> One stroke today. Yeah, or last week out of contention. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's notwithstanding uh, Newcastle's collapse, of course. No, no. All Spurs. I think all Spurs are start to struggle. I, I think, yeah. But they haven't, got, they haven't been quite Spursy enough yet, have they? Spurs. Unfortunately, not. But I think that's going to come now that yeah. they've lost the manager and they've got a, a, what is his, his training coaches running the squad now or something like yeah. that. It's, it's, yeah, I think Spurs' season's probably over. So I think. Yeah. Really well, Robin's reliably informed me that um, Spurs will be after RDZ and he's up for up for going. According really to his April Fool's post today, yeah, which caught yeah. me off guard. It's, it's, a, a, it's a no from me. It's a no from me. I think we'll have, I think we'll have RDZ for at least another season. Um, before. But what is slightly irritating is arguably Thomas Frank is doing as good a job at Brentford, if not better, frankly, because smaller grounds. Yeah. They've not been in the Premiership for as long. Yeah. Um, and yet he's not linked with um, he's not linked with these big clubs in a way that... Well, I think, way that I think he has been with Spurs. I think there's some, some talk. I'm not sure if it's heavy not, talk. Not but, as much. Every, 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 but I agree with you. I think he's done as good a job as deserves. As good, if not, if oh, not a bit possible. better, frankly, because... Yeah. because frankly. See what you did there. Because Brentford are a harder team to beat than Brentford. They've lost fewer games, only five. Yes, seven. Exactly, exactly. They, they, they do draw more, naturally. Yeah. That's why they're on two games more than us, but level on points. So, yeah, yeah frankly, I mean, today's massive. I mean, and what a joy it is to be talking about in two years ago or possibly three years ago, this would have been a relegation six-pointer, but now it's a European six-pointer. So that's just what a turnaround fortune for both clubs. Um, yeah, it goes to show that, yeah. Absolutely. Having a chat with um, Graham Phillips and his son, Jack, friends of the show and Seagulls Have London members who I bumped into on the way down from St Pancras today and we were talking about exactly that point saying who would have thought Brighton versus Brentford a few years ago would have been a Premier League well a Premier League fixture at all yeah and when, when you say oh it's a crucial game in the Premier League you would have thought well relegation it's yeah. a crucial game at the wrong end of the table yeah. but yeah I mean, it's been aided somewhat by there's been a collapse in form obviously amongst certain top six clubs which we've talked about a lot before but also there's, there's a lot more the fact that you've got practically the bottom half of the table is separated by what, five points. I think yeah, you, you've got that's that's aided that that's helped make that happen. 
yeah. less competitive, but you know, yeah. it's also it's sort of yeah. giving some to both clubs to uh, the fact that we're going to we're, we're in this position. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Slightly distracted by, by was it more like more like character supporting? Yeah, um, wonderful book. Fantastic, I love it. I love it. I want to invite him over and buy him a drink somehow. <laughs> Super. I like, I like a man with style. Absolutely, hundred percent, hundred percent. He's got, yeah, he's, he's got an old school Mac on and a hat. He's uh, the guy from um, Friday Night Dinner who's dating good manners. <laughs> So he crashes his car into the front of the house. <laughs> he just walks into the pub, ladies and gentlemen. No, that's a bit harsh. He doesn't look like that guy. That guy was brilliant, wasn't he? Friday night dinner. We love him. Anyway, um, no, I think he uh, he looks like he's walked out of a 1940s noir film, which yeah. is superb. Yeah. You can't, can't say fairer than that. Anyway, food might be coming, so we'll pause it there. Here we go. Right, Duncan, you've got the stats. We're post-match. 3-3 three, three with Brentford. Uh, we could have won, we could have lost. Let's talk about that in a minute. But you've got the stats. Let's hear them. Oh, my God. It's just incredible. So, expected goals, 4.45 for the Albion, 1.37 for Brentford, 73% possession for us. Total shots, 33. I, I still think we should have won. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's Ahmed. Uh, so, 33 shots against their seven. 15 shots on target against their five. Eight shots off target against their one. Ten block shots against their one. Fourteen corner kicks against zero. Uh, six yeah. fouls. Uh, big chances. Five. Two big chances missed. Nineteen shots <laughs> inside the box against their six. And, all and, our, all and, I, still think, and I still think we should have won. <laughs> and a partridge in a pear tree. We oh, should have won that, shouldn't we? Uh, I, I'm delighted, as we're saying post-match, delighted that we didn't lose. We had to avoid losing this game. Yeah. That would have been enormous. That yeah. penalty was yeah. enormous. But we came back three times. For all those shit stats where we should have done more than we did, yeah. we did come back three times. And McAllister, again, had the balls, Deserby-style balls, to take that what, penalty. I was very nervous when McAllister was taking that penalty. So was I. Right. And I was just I went my into, fingers, I, I, had my fingers crossed that he was going to actually net it in the goal. Ahmed, I went into fake nonchalant mode. That's how bad it was. Well, I, I, actually, I well, pretend I went, I'm relaxed. I went one further. I collapsed. <laughs> <laughs> my God, it was important we got that draw. Now we've got the draw. Uh, status quo, one more game played. Technically a slight advantage gained on yep. Brentford in that yeah. sense. Oh, yeah, definitely. And Liverpool lost, they were thrashed at Man City 4 1. Yep. One more goal, we would have gone ahead of them before kickoff. Correct. We are ahead of them now, yep. as we yeah. draw, as are Brentford. And um, we're, we're in sixth place in the table. It's, and we've got games in hand still. It, Look at it that way. Brilliant. It's incredible, yeah. We're on a massive. We're on our way to Europe. Possibly. Baku, European tour. Baku, Sturmgrass, Sporting Lisbon, We're here we come. We're all going on a European, European tour. To Scotland. European tour. <laughs> Hibs away. <laughs> We're going to get Hibs away. No, no, just going back to the game. It was, um, defensively, we had some massive, massive mistakes. Um, very poor defensively. Um... Steel, Dunk, Colwell, uh, you know, it's oh, it's been an amazing, most amazing match to watch. 
um, but just not as an Albion fan. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but we came back. We just showed our class where we can yeah. we can come back. We still go, score goals. It really doesn't matter. And so we should have scored more, and uh, we should have um, you know not conceded as many. So um, overall, very well, slightly very disappointed. It's we could have yeah. done a lot better actually. We should have yeah, won the yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, correct. But in the end, avoiding defeat was massive. Armin, would you go along with that? Here's one for uh, Andy Oram when he listens to this podcast. Oh, yes. Yeah, I hope he does listen. He does, he does. Uh, yeah. back Hello, in, Andy. Back in Scotland, right, uh, we did draw today, you know, three all. But it was nice meeting you over the weekend, uh, you know, and I'm sorry for your loss, you know, for your mum and everything. But wish you all the best for the future. Oh, sure. Oh, that yeah. sounds quite uh, serious. Uh, well, can I extend my condolences? We're talking yeah, here, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, as well to Andy. I know he's a regular listener, so sorry to hear that, Andy. Um, but yes, all the best, Sam. All the best. Yeah. Classy words from Arvid there. Very good. So you've been up in Scotland? No, uh, no. Andy came over here. Oh, he came over here. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Meantime, Arvid, you've got your tickets to Wembley, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> It's all about getting into box bar now. Can we get to yeah, box bar? Of course we can. We are absolute drunken lushes, aren't we, Duncan? <laughs> yeah. Ahmed and Raymond, who's coming on the oh, on, the, on, on the blind Raymond, side. Raymond, Raymond's here. Raymond, <laughs> we don't want any trouble here, Raymond. <laughs> no, 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 no. What, what is it? Um, Liverpool nil, Man City uh, two hundred. <laughs> I don't know what, what's that. I I'm not sure what you're saying there. Well, However, means, means, means Liverpool got no money, and uh, Man City have got about 200 million. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, so oh, indeed, indeed. Wembley, you've got your tickets to Wembley, haven't you? That's right. Yeah. Looking forward to the occasion? I am actually very much. I, 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 it's really nice uh, to get our revenge on 40 years ago. Yeah, uh, it really feels like um, it feels it feels like that's the focus, doesn't it? I know no, we played we? them loads of times, but it's the FA Cup. And we played them in the FA Cup since then. But this feels like the revenge game. Well, the first match, I think, fairly uh, even for normal time. And we were the strongest side in extra time. Yeah. And certainly the second half of extra time, we were the dominant side. Um, I was there, and of course, didn't hear at the time John Watson saying, and Smith must score. Um, well, that wasn't Watson, that was but, someone else, wasn't it? But, but funnily enough, on the, as with Barry Davis, but on the, the second match, although we lost 4-0, we actually had more shots and more shots on target. Was actually here get, oh, in that game? Yeah, well, the problem was oh, right. we played Steve Gatting at right back, and it took him 25 minutes to not adjust to playing on the right side, 9 on the left, by which time we were 3-0 down. They're after quite a tough, tough game, and, and it's because Chris Ramsey had got injured in the first game. Well, Raymond, 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 the second game didn't exist. It didn't happen. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> well, there, I mean, there was only one game. It was tall, and we decided to have a draw. <laughs> Nothing else happened after that. <laughs> that's the way I'm looking at it. However, even though that's the case, I'm looking for revenge for the non-existent. 4-0 defeat in the replay. 
uh, when we when we play them at the end of the month. Well, uh, it, exciting it, it, times. It is, and uh, you know, exciting football. And, uh, I don't know if you read the stat the other day, but passing accuracy uh, for Brighton uh, since uh, Roberto took over, we have the highest passing accuracy of any team in the Premier League. What's interesting is we've got one of the lowest levels of uh, distance covered on the pitch, which is a very telling stat, don't you think? That we don't need to run around trying to get the ball back. Yeah, well, what, what happens is that we, we make the ball do the work. Yeah. The ball can travel much faster than even Usain Bolt. Well, exactly, yeah. I mean, you could probably kick the ball from one end of the pitch to the other in... in half the time or less than half the time that Usain Bolt is as fast as could run it yeah and that's the key it's a telling statistic isn't it it really is yeah but uh, overall though stats today were very heavily in our favour in the end the, the one one stat that matters was even uh, how, what, what, what was your thoughts on that three all are you, overall are you happy with that I thought I, I thought we certainly didn't deserve to lose yeah, I thought our defence went to sleep on about three occasions, um, arguably four. Oh, we paid for it on three of them. Um, that was a mistake. I don't know. Lack of communication, what it was, and no doubt I will see it later in the highlights. But actually, um, there, there was some lack of marking on a couple of occasions, um, you know, and just lack of perhaps, communication as well. But you know, it, it wasn't. And it's, I can't remember the last time we did three goals was against Man City away. The only other time under Roberto we conceded three goals, I, I believe, was against Liverpool when we drew three all in his first game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Well, um, it's it's an interesting game today. Three three. Uh, I think it was crucial we did, we avoided defeat, and we have gone up a place as a result. Yeah. If Liverpool had lost by one more goal than the 4-1 that they did lose by, we would have gone up before kickoff. But anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that we've gone above Liverpool, so have Brentford. We're into sixth place. We've got Bournemouth on Tuesday. We've got to go and win that now, haven't we? Oh, I think so. I mean, I mean just go and keep winning. I, I think we should disregard where we're aiming for the game and just go out and play football and enjoy ourselves yeah. and not try and think, oh, we've got to win them. Just go out and enjoy. Yeah. We're not going to get relegated or anything. Uh, funnily enough, with the exception of the Aston Villa game, all of our games are against what I call teams that could still suffer relegation. Hospital, not so much, not as far as the Wolves, so but they're not totally out of it. And all their top teams. So yeah. we haven't got a, a sort of middle of the table Surely side. Ahmed, oh, stop interrupting, honestly. Raymond, seriously, I think that's a good points well made, and we go we go on to Tuesday. Let's win that game, eh? Uh, let's get, get it. I don't mind how we win as long as we win. Absolutely. <laughs> so we are continuing to beerify ourselves post match in the North Concourse. I'm with Chris Stiff, good friend of the show. How are you doing, Chris? All right. <laughs> quick response. Quick take on the game before I go to our Brentford friend. Uh, over to should have won but could have lost yeah that, that sums it up on, on paper the better team but in reality Brentford did more when they had the ball 
Martin, okay. good friend of the show yeah. from, I don't know if it's a year or two years ago when we had you on the podcast yeah. with your in dad. Home, yeah, in the home game. Uh, your dad, Don. Yeah, the, exactly. the legendary Don. That's Who is here with us today as well, he's by the way? Wandering he's wandering around. He's, taking, he's, he's trying to pop pills. pills. He's popping pills at the moment. <laughs> 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 Meantime, Martin. So, um, what's your take on that? Would you agree yeah. with Chris? Yeah, I think in this, because we're sitting, we're sitting at the uh, at the away end in the second half. Everything's happening up the other end. It looked like we were getting a bit of a battering. Obviously, we got the goal. We're brilliant at set pieces. Got the goal early on, but we never really. I don't really think we had the personnel to kind of manage the game out. And yeah, it looked like a procession of you, shots. You were and fifty-two goals. Yeah, yeah, it looked like a, a procession of shots. Some of them were over the bar. Brea played well, made plenty of saves. And I think talking to Brentford fans on the way out, I think everyone's well pleased with the point, you know, because obviously Brighton, Brighton are a good team. Everyone was praising Brighton, but could have been brilliant. Could be a great day out for us. We could have won it. But similarly, like my friend here says, we, we definitely could have lost. So we're yeah. well happy with it, you know. Yeah, I think I think we all walked away happy with the point. Yeah, yeah. given the other results, maybe we're still all in with a, with yeah. a fighting yeah. chance. You, you know? guys in general, but us in terms of the the lateness of the equaliser McAllister kept his nerve yeah, he scored quite man. a few in a row now isn't he yeah good penalty from McAllister nice height nice power so yeah he's definitely worked on that pleased with that to be honest because before we always looked a bit iffy on penalties so but I'm, I'm, I would have to say and this is obviously I'm trying to say this not from a Brian fan Brian will be happier with that result than Fulham given the two games in hand that we still got over Fulham over, be, sorry Brentford, over Brentford yeah. sorry yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we would would be the happiest side walking yeah. into yeah, yeah, no, you, I mean, yeah. going, going into the game I would have said we'd be happier with the draw than you would because we've got the advantage yeah, at, yeah, yeah. at the moment so status quo one further game played definitely that slightly advantages us Liverpool losing as well favours both teams Chelsea, Chelsea can, yeah. Knowing what, how much shithousery Martin um, now puts into his side, I, I can see, I can see this being a one-nil Villa victory. Yeah. So, which again favours both teams. So yeah, yeah. I'd hope to play Brentford in the Europa, in the Europa Cup. Oh yeah, we were just uh, wondering about that, weren't we? Yeah, exactly. The, uh, the and Martin, you've had a brilliant season. Just a quick word about that in general. Obviously, a great result today in terms of uh, the three all. Yeah. Yes, disappointment in terms of you nearly won it. But overall, this season, Thomas Frank, yeah. the team, the way it's gone, uh, what's your take on it? Yeah, no, it's, it's been good. And, and I think we got a bit of a bit of a bad rap, you know, about people saying, oh, yeah, second season syndrome and everything. Here it comes, you know, a lot of people. But it. Well, we could, we could, fans, not in your case. Yeah, I think fans could see it wasn't going to happen. But the thing I'm, I'm, and it's been great. And you know, we've had some great results. We've had the Man City away. We beat Man U at home, etc. So it's all great and everything's buzzy. I just, I just, I'm not that I'm overly pessimistic, but I think next season could be our second season, if you know what I mean. Because the goalkeeper could go, Tony could go slash be banned for a while. We've got a yeah. couple of other guys like. Rico Henry etc that we might we might be tempted away or Brian and Bremo so I think it's another another kind of a pivotal moment really are we going to get the right players in are we going to do what we usually do and get you, better players fish, in or are is, you going to fish high, up, uh, high enough up in the, in the table to keep those good players yeah, right, really. yeah exactly and I'm not I'm not sure Europe is really what we need but obviously the, the players are still like seeing how far they can go but 
I think uh, what I'm yeah. thinking is we're we're in the Premier League next year, but you know we need we, what's going to happen. We don't know who's going to be there and who isn't. So for me, that's my slight doubt about this. Season. It could be our second season syndrome. But it's quite interesting. Third, third season, yeah, second yeah, season. Exactly. Yeah. It's quite interesting that you, you've not. I mean, that second season is a bit of a cliche, but it's also it's a cliche for a reason. Teams do get found out in that second season, but Brentford have been able to move the game yeah. on. And we didn't Brentford have been ourselves to, financially yeah. either, right? Yeah. That's, obviously, that's a, it does feel sustainable what you've done so far. You've yeah, not gone yeah. out and spent silly money on players just to keep you in that second season. Yeah. So it does feel like Bournemouth went out and bought, what is it, Solenke for, I don't know how much, but either way, it's, it's numbers. So Wolves go out and spend ridiculous money on players who are usually not very good. So you, you do wonder how they do that, but the fact that we don't do that, Brentford don't do that, just makes it a bit more yeah. sustainable, I think. Yeah. True, true, yeah. Uh, but Brentford have done fantastically well. You've certainly avoided second season syndrome. Whether you get third season, second season syndrome, I don't know. Yeah. But I reckon you'll be all right. But I do think if you did get into Europe, it might be a lot to deal with so yeah. early on. I don't oh, think, we're worrying what we might do yeah, with that after yeah. six years. I, yeah, I don't think. I, I yeah. think you know, some of the fans are singing about it, but I don't. For me, I'm not. I'm a to be brave, but I don't think. I think it's that's a step too soon. So you're okay for us to take that European you spot? Can have, yeah, but, <laughs> no, you can have that. Fair play. Like, we'll have seven. You can have six. That's all right. I'm really. I'm, I'm well, yeah. really well happy with that. Man. We've both gone up a place today. Well, we, we, we'll yeah. be near the cup as well, so now we'll go down and stretch it out. <laughs> <laughs> Does that oh, help us? Doesn't it? Does it help well, us? Tricky, if you win the FA Cup, do we get do we get an extra get, spot? I don't get, know. Yeah, we get Euros. I think FA Cup winners get the Europe, don't they? So then it yeah. would go down next week. Uh, yeah, someone did some wrote yeah. something about what the, the possible outcomes yeah. were, and oh, who it needed to win very what complicated. Cup. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Martin, it's been a pleasure having yeah. you back on. Well, the brilliant thing is that we're we'll doing it all again next season. Yeah, next season. That's the main thing. Who cares about bloody Europe? You know. Yeah, screw that. We've got Lewis. You know what I mean. And uh, wherever you want to go in Brentford. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We were in Lewis earlier today. Had a great old time. It's great to see you again. Yeah. Great to see your dad, who was on the podcast earlier. He's busy chatting over to our right at the yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah, On my right, you're there. Like, yeah. uh, he's busy winding guy. up Brighton fans. Yeah. <laughs> so big up to Don as well. Also to Billy and Laney from the Besotted, if they happen to be listening. Hello yeah. to you guys. And I suppose you want to sign out in the usual way by saying... Come on, you bees! <laughs> and Chris? See, see, see siders. See girls. And there we have it. That's the audio from the weekends. Uh, I think that sums it all up nicely, doesn't it, really? Uh, if you haven't already done so. And that's it for the episode. So thank you very much to Alan and Peter. And we will sign out in the usual way, Peter, won't we? By saying, stand or fall. Up the Albion. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.